This episode of Film Sack is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, one night at a time. Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash filmsack and use the promo code filmsack at checkout. Okay, now that it's recording now. And so now uh, I hit a button that says we start. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. Seven six two millimeter. This is Film Sack. Oh, sure. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack, mining the very depths of film entertainment for all mankind, episode 385. I'm Scott Johnson, joined today by Brian Animal Mother Dunaway. Animal mo- mother or lover? What did you say? Mother. Animal oh, mother. Oh, okay. That's the name of the oh, Adam hi. Baldwin guy's name is Animal Mother, and so you're <laughs> Animal Mother. Oh, hi. Movie Sergeant Dunaway here, your senior sack instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to, and the first and last words out of your filthy mouth holes will be, huh? Do you basic grubs understand that? <laughs> huh? Yes. Exactly. Okay. You guys don't play along. Also, <laughs> I can't hear you. Yes, sir. Sound off yes, like, huh. Yes, huh. Huh, sir, huh? Huh? What? <laughs> Sound off like you watched this week's movie and enjoyed it. Johnson. Yeah. Your new name is Grossman because you think stuff's gross. Good job, <laughs> Ibbit. I'm gonna call yep. you. I'm gonna call you Boris, cause you do oh, a yes, really, <laughs> yeah, yes, huh? Cause you do a really funny Russian accent, and also because you are a little squirrely, uh, like <laughs> like moose and squirrel. Say the thing. <laughs> Too much hassle. Thank you, Sir. Jordan. Huh? Yes, huh? <laughs> Jordan. You are. Oh yes, huh? Jordan, you will now answer to dicks. Because that one time you made me laugh when you said something about a bag of dicks. <laughs> now, now chuck yourself. That's it. Ah, uh, yeah. Dicks, tell us about your job this week. <laughs> dicks! This is an odd... Oh, I see. see. See, you're supposed to move on to me now. Right, right. I get it. It's ending. It's All, ending now. Also with us, Randy, Private Cowboy Jordan. Aloha, Scott. Brian. Brian. My name Thanks. is Gunnery Sergeant Softiman, and for the next 15 weeks, you belong to yourselves. But I'm going to offer you leadership and training that has been created by the new postmodern Marine Corps, and you are going to come out the other side a changed person. Joining me will be Sergeant Anthony, who will offer suggestions on how you can make the most of KP. Sergeant Tan, who will show you how to make your uniform really pop. Sergeant Caramo, who will teach you things you need to know in order to survive in enemy territories during a holiday shopping spree. Sergeant Bobby, who created this fabulous obstacle course for us all. And of course, your favorite, Sergeant Jonathan. He is so funny. 
he's going to keep you laughing until we graduate you and get you out of here. And then you might choose to become a killing machine, but not here. There will be no killing here, please. Mm. There will be respect and growth, but no killing. You kill later while we all sit around and watch you on a television. Cheers, boys. Mm. No bathroom killing, please out here or in here oh, that was so oh that was so impactful oh we'll talk oh, about that in a minute also with us brian eight ball ibbit i guess it's gonna be a hat trick here mm. yeah. well what do we have here a bunch of new film sack recruits what's your name private johnson what kind of name is johnson you look like you couldn't find the front door of a hotel so i'm gonna call you private entrance do you like that name <laughs> private entrance <laughs> yes sir good all right now who's this next to you Deluxe. That's not a name. That's a whopper superlative. You look like someone that would go to a business seminar or conference to make new connections to improve your business growth in the marketplace. I'm going to call you Private Network. Oh, did I say something funny, Private Network? You look like you're going to laugh. You look like you're virtually about to laugh. I'm going to call you Virtual. Virtual Private Network. What do you think of that? (laughs) And you on the end, what does your mama call you? Done away, you're just a little guy. You remind me of the tiny little key in the bottom right corner of my computer keyboard. What's that key called? Function. I'm going to call you Private Function. Now, where did everyone go? Hold down the fort, Private Function, while I try and locate Private Entrance. <laughs> I love it. Good stuff. You can just roll oh, right man. into like Abbott and Costello if you just take it from here. <laughs> private <Right>? who? <laughs> yeah. I love it. That was really good. That was fun. I well, we've uh, uh, Lee Ermey, If you can hear us from uh, from Sergeant Heaven, we hope we did uh, <laughs> yeah. did you did you proper here on the uh, the film sack show. The movie is Full Metal Jacket, and I have got Scott Fletcher proof. Full Metal Jacket. A pragmatic U.S. Marine observes the dehumanizing effects the Vietnam War has on his fellow recruits, from the brutal boot camp training to the bloody street fighting of Hue. Basically, two movies. Is what you get here with the Full Metal Jacket. That's the whole. I think that's the that's the hidden meaning of the title. It's uh, you get the full Monty. It's the both pieces. It's uh, two pieces of bread. Right. You get the training and the what's it like to be uh, in the in the army when you go to basic training and all that. And then what's it like when you get out there in the field and do the fighting and the whatnot. And I think that's Which, fine, but I don't like the second half at all. I'm, yeah, I think I, it sucks. I, I realized I've watched the first half of this movie about five times mm-hmm. in my life, and mm-hmm. I've never seen the second half. Whoa. Oh, Man. no way, really? Weird. And I actually I actually thought a lot better about the movie before watching the second half, mm-hmm. which I, I, I'm, we're going to talk a lot about like Kubrick's amazing auteur abilities, but the second half doesn't need to exist. It's not like... It turns out it's not really a story. It doesn't, you know, it just, it paints a picture really well. But the first half of the film is a film, like a whole story with development and purpose and so on. And I don't Mm. know what the second half is supposed to do except make me hate it. Well, yeah, there's no, I mean, I like, I think I like the second half more than it sounds like you guys do. I still like the first half way more. But the problem is, is that the, um, you would think that there would be some sort of connection between the first half and the second half other than, all right, Private Joker's now moved on to this. It doesn't seem like the whole interaction with Private Pile, that whole thing has affected him in a way that he like 
bring that like it comes back up later on and i'm not talking about right. like traditional hollywood tropey coming back up like he he has a a, a sweaty flashback uh uh Mm. moment where he's frozen you know mm-hmm. he's about to get right, shot or something right. and he freezes and he thinks about private pile and somebody has to come in and save him right but but some sort of like yeah this is the lesson that i learned from that moment and i'm using right. it here later there, on there's in, one in this thing fight. Mm. There, there's definitely one thing that fits that and that is that private joker when everyone in the barracks tries to get private pile to wash himself out by beating on him in the middle of the night Mm-hmm. Private Joker has a moment where he has to figure out whether or not he's really participating in trying to give Pyle the beating. Yeah. Sure. And he, you, you see Modine act, and it's really good. And then at the end of the film, he goes through the exact same acting to figure out whether or not he wants to finish off the sniper who is lying there wounded mm. on the floor. Right. And it's the sa- it's it's intended to call back to that and make you realize the futility of it all, right? Like they didn't manage to get Pyle to wash himself out of uh of a boot camp. Instead, they actually had the reverse, like they had the worst possible outcome from trying to beat him up. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you so now at the end of the film you're supposed to at, at least think ab- about that and realize, oh wow, how futile is this? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I think it's on purpose. And I think that you're probably right. It's supposed to be kind of a, a, a bookend for him to, to say that these two, these two examples were just these futile things. It's also just part of the art of the movie in general, which I appreciate, which is just, this is hideous. This is how hideous things end. Now let's move on to another hideous chapter where hideous things happen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that- that's the idea of it. And this movie is singular, singularly responsible singular. for my complete and utter fear of military when I was a teenager. When I saw this movie, it made me go, please never get me drafted. Like, I remember, <laughs> I remember when, uh, like, the, the Gulf War, the first Gulf War rolled around, and I would have been prime age. I would have been, like, 20 or something. And they... I, all I could think of was, oh my gosh, no, don't, please, no, no. I, so I, I freaked see, out so about it. And it was all back to Kubrick's freaking Full Metal Jacket movie is all I could think so about. Forgive me, my memory is that the first Gulf War yeah. was 90... uh, January 91. Do I have that right at all? Yeah, no, that's right. It was early that's 91. Like, right. yeah. I would have been 20, or I may have been 21. Yeah, I okay. guess that's right. So, so. Whatever. We all had a we all we're all of an age where we had a very interesting experience in life. The the US military finally went way 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 too far in Vietnam and we all grew up and we were teenage boys watching it for, via entertainment 10 and 15 and 20 years later. And I remember thinking a lot about the military as I was 16 and 17 and turning 18 because it was just something that you did like I remember watching every episode of China Beach when it was on TV, mm-hmm. and that had an impact on me. And by the way, China Beach, for me, precedes Full Metal Jacket, and I realized they're actually of the same everything, right? They're mm-hmm. of the same mm-hmm. time and everything. They even use the same music, right? Yeah. The the song at the beginning of Full Metal Jacket, or at the oh, end really? of Full Metal Jacket, is the, yeah. the theme song of Paint oh, It Black, the, right? Paint It Black, yeah. But, yeah it, reminded um, me of, uh, it immediately reminded me of Westworld, but anyway. Oh, but I was just like, funny. Oh. I was immediately reminded me of that uh, PlayStation racing game with the the, the clown that uh, drove an ice yeah, cream no. truck. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 full 
no, to, uh, twisted metal. It's metal. Twisted, twisted metal. metal. Yeah, metal. It, yeah. 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 Twisted metal yeah. jacket. Yeah. So I'm, twisted I, I metal just, jacket. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> you brought this up because I like I have I have really strong feelings that aren't very entertaining, but I'm very curious about like <laughs> for each of for each of you, do you remember being 17 and and actually making a decision in your life? Never, what, never know, was. It was never like a. Oh my gosh, should I? go into the military it always kind of freaked me out but what freaks me out the most is the first half of the movie and it's not even about the dark end to the first half of the movie it's mm -hmm. surrendering your and we have a lot of listeners in the military and they can dispel a lot of myths and and, and i have a lot to say about seeing it now versus seeing it then but um sure. i in my head this idea of com a complete surrendering of one's identity of one's freedom to act of one's own will being mm -hmm. uh being subordinate to a greater cause which cause was to put me in harm's way and have me kill other people like all of that rang so not a thing i wanted in my life ever right and and it really but, this movie really just about buried me man it was hard it was really hard very, to watch very very necessary uh to prepare these people to not uh be individuals because as a fighting machine uh, you need to be efficient. You need to be able to uh, be okay with death. You got to you got to dispel a lot of things in order to be efficient. No, I don't. Uh, I don't that, doubt that, any of that. that. Does. <clears throat> I don't doubt any of that. I feel like I feel like certain roles in our society. I don't mean to get too far off base here, because but this is a commentary on society. This movie is. Uh, I really feel like going into the military is really a calling. I don't think it's it's not something that you just take lightly because it is it's a total shift in your brain and how you think and how you have to how you have to function because you're putting yourself into a situation that is not like anything else in the world where you literally have to be an efficient piece uh mm -hmm. to a right. to a moving machine so yeah, it, you, you become a crank as opposed to a machine right. yourself you are one cog in a yeah. In a well-oiled, well-tuned machine. Right, sure. which is almost counterintuitive to our independent and individual teachings as citizens of the United States. That's the reason why the duality of this is always uh, interesting to see in this movie. By the way, back to the uh, what we're talking about with the movie being uh, this first half being an actual movie uh, in, its, in itself, and then the second half being, to me, an odd slice of life yeah. of... Uh, look at yeah. what it was like in vietnam and, yeah the uh, second the second half was more a single still picture than anything yeah. Yeah. obviously it was a, a series of such but like i can I, I can distill it all down to people uh, halfway around the world where they shouldn't be dying for no good reason and the main thing that kubrick did was create a hellscape mm -hmm. and i mean yeah. uh the almost supernatural the hellscape mm -hmm. yeah, like like i'm sorry i i i I hate to go here, but fires don't keep burning indefinitely like that. Like mm. it was weird right. how every little thing about it was like bad extended as far as bad can go. Sure. You know, and still, and still have was... like a veneer of realism. Mm. I, I haven't finished digesting <laughs> it because I, I have seen this movie myself many times growing up in high school. We used a lot of this movie for catchphrases, a lot of interesting Things were said. Uh, Lee Ermey was fantastic with his insults. I don't know if it was all scripted or if he uh, went off script for any of that stuff. A little of both. A lot of that says. stuff. Was Tri just, trivia yeah, trivia so says it was, it was a little bit of both, but mostly it was scripted. According to I mean, movie. it was basically his movie because he does almost ninety percent 
of the talking, uh, almost all the dialogue is his in that first uh, in that first yeah, part of the movie. That first half, yeah. it's really yeah, totally it's true. Him. Like not even, and and it's like all right, you understand. Like it's not going to be. All right, the soldiers aren't going to do much talking. There's a little bit, obviously, Matthew Modine with D'Onofrio and stuff, but um, it's almost like a. Uh, like a John Hughes movie and the fact that no, you don't see any other adults talking. Right. <laughs> if right. You, if you consider the soldiers to not be adults, they are, but if you consider <laughs> them to be not adults, Arlie Ermy is our only connection or yeah. is, is our only uh, um, person over the age of, of soldier. Right. Mm -hmm. and, no, that's true. Right. And he was, his vision. Wanna, yeah. Go ahead, I don't want to, I don't want to tempt my desire to uh, talk about realism because it, it'll get me in trouble. Uh, I haven't gone through Marine Corps boot camp in the late sixties. Mm. I just, I, I was just blown away at how it was, like I say, it was, it all seemed so extreme. And I, I realized that we're supposed to be getting an, an extreme look at an extreme situation, mm. but there were still things about it that I, I kept like, like, kept me up at night. Like, the, like you talk about uh, Lee Ermey's character is the only one who, who says anything for like the first 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure that if you are in boot camp, you are being yelled at by more than one individual in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm pretty sure if you talk back, there's some other guy who comes up and roughs you up to you know shut you up. Like I, sure. there's not just the one person somehow keeping uh, authority over uh, uh, two dozen people. But you know what I'm saying? So like those, those thoughts cross your mind, but they're completely blown out of the water by the power of the film. The film just, it just never stops coming at you with more and more. Like you see the obstacle course and you're like, oh, wow, I, I can imagine what that's like, but that looks like I would never be able to do that. No, you know, it's, rel it's relentless. It's, it's got this relentless quality to it that, also was deeply disturbing to me when I first saw it. It's also, now that I've seen it all these years later, and I've seen it a few times in between, but I'm coming at it with a much different mind now. It was more than half my life ago that I saw this and it had that effect on me. I see it now, and uh, I can appreciate a lot of things about it, especially the Kubrickness of it. It's very Kubrick. Like, there's mm -hmm. these symmetrical shots, especially during the training sequences, where everything reminds me of The, of the Shining a little bit. Um, and there's a kind of a coldness to the scenes and the, and this inter and the use of music is very sparse and weird and, and it's very Kubrick. So on the one hand, it's like, all right, well, yeah, what was I thinking? Of course, this is a Stanley Kubrick movie. This feels like one that was part of what was affecting me and part of what was putting me in the place that, that my head was in at the time. But also I was really glad to see it in the, you know, with, a, with an older perspective because now I could appreciate the art that it is. Yeah, I think right. that God. first half is one of the best, quote unquote, movies yeah. in, in in history. Like it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's really, really incredible. The only weak spot for me, and I hate saying this because there's parts where I think he's good, but I think Matthew Modine is sucks in this. I think he's bad in yeah. this. Yeah, Scott, we've got we've got uh, Dunaway in the wrong channel. Can you drag him back? Oh, here? he must have got um, disconnected. I, I'll do it. I I agree actually. Like. Reading, I I read more about this film than I expected to. Like, I found myself looking at Modine's book a little bit, like thumbing through it on Amazon, and I found myself uh, mm. looking at, like, there's so much written about this film. It's one of those oh, things yeah. where uh, everybody wanted to document what their experience making it. And also, uh, Kubrick apparently takes years and years to make a movie. Like, yeah. he, he, he will spend a whole week getting one scene 
shot and this kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, so reading into it, like, like I was shocked at how many people claim they either uh, were on their way to getting the role of Joker and somehow lost it, or uh, really, really wanted the role of Joker mm-hmm. and couldn't. Like, how did they even know? Is is a big question of mine. But so many people, and I found myself second guessing Modine in that role. Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm looking at like Val Kilmer really wanted the role mm-hmm. so much that he punched Modine when they <laughs> met each other, and and it's like, holy shit, Val Kilmer would have been really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, how is so. it? How is this John Wayne though? I mean, because that was the, the the whole linchpin, right? That was that's what that's what this character had to do was a bad John Wayne impression. Well, not <laughs> that. That, was, that. What do you have? Certainly wasn't his entire job, but I, you you know it's, a, it's an interesting point. I mean, look, it could have been anybody. There it sounds like a whole bunch of people really wanted it. Bruce Willis wanted this role. A uh, bunch of people wanted it, couldn't do Go it for Vietnam, whatever reason. Have a good and much, <laughs> well, and how much of that do we really believe? I mean, how much of that do we think is is really? Val Kilmer punched Modine, or is it just somebody wrote that on on IMDb and said, "Oh, well, let's see if I can get people to believe this." Well, I wrote Look. down, I wrote down, sounds like a lie, and then that thing about Val Kilmer auditioning for the part and then punching Modine. I yeah. also Modine, wrote down. Modine I wrote, is very punchable, though. I also wrote is, down this one. Punchable. I wrote yeah, down this punchable. one. Says well, think, also sounds like a lie. Ar, Arlie Ermy went to director Stanley Kubrick and asked for the whole. Sorry, asked for the role of Gunnery Sergeant Hartman. In his opinion, <laughs> the actors on the set were not up to snuff. When Kubrick declined. Ermy barked an order at Kubrick to stand up when he was spoken to, and the director instinctively obeyed. Ermy got the role. I think that sounds like so, a lie. Yeah, that's that, that does. Yeah, that, and it doesn't jive with other, I think, better sourced uh, biographies that that have mm-hmm. a, a whole story about how Ermy uh, uh, was one of the people who was going for the role uh, naturally, like actors do, and because of his history, actually in the Marine Corps, actually in Vietnam, he was able to prepare. Uh, you know, a presentation that uh, initially Kubrick didn't really like, but then after Kubrick started working with other actors for the role, he realized that they didn't have any authenticity and what, like it's a normal story, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the the Val Kilmer punching Matthew Modine thing, it's it's not apocryphal because it's in Modine's bi- biography, his autobiography. So like, mm-hmm. oh, you okay. know, why would why would Matthew he Modine has an autobiography? Really? Yes, yes. Most of <laughs> most of the trivia that you're looking at in IMDb about this movie comes from uh-huh. Matthew Modine's memoir. Oh, interesting. Okay. Weird. All right. All right. Fine. That's odd. I don't. I'm just. I'm just saying. Who's buying a Matthew Modine biography? Is my point. <laughs> like that's weird. He's still here and working and stuff, but nobody looks at him and goes. Hey, Matthew Modine, living legend. How's that biography coming? I mean, Let me tell you about the time I worked on Married to the Mom. That's right. <laughs> or how about the time I was in that movie, that Robert Altman movie, and I didn't wear pants. You guys remember that? He didn't wear pants. Really. <laughs> yeah. Like he, I don't have a whole lot of, of memories of, of him, and I've seen no, him recently. But, but if and, there is going to be something like that, you're going to be the person who remembers that. Specifically yeah. about it, <laughs> it was the one that Huey Lewis was in. I can't remember the movie, though. Huey Lewis Wait, was tell that. me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say, uh, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot her name. Oh, Julianne Moore. Oh, Julianne Moore. First thing comes to my mind. Hold on. Um, uh, actually, the Hannibal movie, sadly, is the first thing that comes to oh, my mind. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. Because yeah. I would have thought it was either I saw it recently. flying across the ceiling uh, naked and the big Lebowski splattering paint oh, or, yeah. or walking around bottomless in uh, another Robert Altman movie. Uh, Oh, you know what I might be doing? You know what I might be doing? This is hilarious. 
I so think, think I'm Julianne Moore. I'm Juliette conflating. Lewis, I mean? No, I'm conflating her walking around naked with Matthew Modine. He's married to her in that movie, and I'm thinking it's That's him with it no is. pants on. But it's her yeah. walking around bottomless, right? Wow. So I just, I just want to answer the question. If, Paging uh, Mr. Freud. When, <laughs> right? <laughs> when, you, when you said the name Julianne Moore, the only thing that popped into my head was her character from Boogie Nights trying to have a some semblance of a legal relationship with her child. Mm. And, <laughs> like her... She's she's so perfect in that role as a stressed out coke addict. You know, like mm -hmm. it's just it's it's really amazing how she. How <laughs> she's she great. I like her and everything. She is great. Yeah, yeah. she's nothing wrong with Julianne Lewis or uh, not Lewis. Uh, Come on, Julianne Moore. I know. I can't. Well, that's that's funny because that's what I almost said. I was like Juliette Lewis. No, that's not who I'm talking about. Uh, Julianne Julianne Phillips. No, not Julianne Phillips. Julianne Moore. Julianne Potato. That was Got the way it. my mind works. Nailed it. So Dun uh, Dunaway, uh, you missed. Well, the question was who could have done better than Matthew Modine in the role of Private Joker. Do you have an answer? No, because uh, <laughs> he, he's perfect. He's Is perfect. He? There's Is nothing he? wrong with the Modine in this in Is this role. I mean it. It required a uh, smarmy uh, uh, kind of person, and I think he played it perfect. The narration's the what killed me. I couldn't deal with him when he was reading oh, his writing. It was yeah. bad. Well, and when he's when he's having that interaction initially with um, Baldwin, it right. that felt like script. That felt like, uh, yeah, I can talk the talk. Can you walk the walk? Yeah, it sucked. You know, it, it didn't feel. It felt. It felt stiff, but. But then you want to punch credit. him? Wasn't that what we wanted? Well, I think we did want to punch him. I don't think we but want to Modine's... punch him for that reason, but anyway, go ahead a bit. <laughs> to uh, Modine's credit, though, I feel like that role doesn't need a quote-unquote Hollywood star. I mean, this would have been um, way more recognizable role for Val Kilmer than, um, than Matthew Modine. We knew a few I... things that Matthew Modine had done before that. He needs to look like kind of an everyman, which Matthew Modine does. Yeah. Um, more so than a, you know, handsome yeah, Hollywood Kilmer, hunk. Yeah, Kilmer Val does Kilmer, look like a leading man in his right. 80s yeah. movie. Yeah. Bob Kilmer at that time was had uh, had way too much ego to play this role. Mm -hmm. I, right. I, I just don't think it would. I could well. see Bruce Willis doing it. Also, I could, Michael Anthony Hall was supposed, or Anthony Michael Hall rather, was supposed to be. No, no, that'd be good. He was supposed that to be Bruce, set for this, and Bruce short. Willis would have been like. 10 years too old to play this role like he already had the yeah. receding hairline and everything going in 87 yeah, yeah i guess so days. i guess so yeah yeah because yeah, that's the reason according to this the reason he didn't do it is the moonlighting schedule was the reason yeah. so you're probably right I, I as far as actor goes like the kind of portrayal he would have done though i would have been down with that you're right about the i think you're right about the age but anthony michael hall could have been could have been a strong contender here this would have been on the heels of all his his yeah, 80s stuff but he was just stuff. starting yeah. to enter into that kind of not hunky, but he the way he looked in Edward Scissorhands, for example, is starting to look like a different actor. <laughs> right. He could have I would I don't know. It. I would think maybe like a C. Thomas Howell or a um trying to think of like the other kind of red dawn outsiders, mm -hmm. kind of kind of younger actors from those kind of movies that that somewhat blended into the background. Yeah. because uh, that is what you want in this role. You don't want him to feel like he's he's the star or, or the individual or that sort of thing. I mean, I think Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, yeah. Oh, good oh my God. He was so does good. a great job of playing kind of this, this kind of dopey, creepy, 
Yeah. I don't know. Like you see him in those early I, scenes where he's kind of smiling, but he looks kind of punch drunk, dazed mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. He, he definitely uh, well, kind of a mess. Brilliant role. It, really incredible. Like he, everybody on set, uh, and this stuff I, I, I believe, but uh, Ermy said I, I, he's never, he's never witnessed anything like that in, in either the real army or otherwise somebody who, who, played that role as well as D'Onofrio did. It, well, mm-hmm. And the, the screenplay really uh, is to his credit, because, for, for instance, um, you don't get to the end of that first half and ask the question, how did he get live ammunition into the barracks? Because you've previously asked the question, how did he get a donut into the barracks? Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> so the, it's a very, very conscious, conscious and, and competently written sequence right Mm -hmm. and and so you you like don't have questions you just go along with it and it and it brutalizes you but i have to also say that last part in the bathroom Mm. sorry it reminded me too much of the shining and i i kind of lost the thread oh really i like i like i mean i hated uh, it when i was younger i really liked it now i thought all the way up to that moment it all looked like uh, like boot camp to me it all looked realistic and then Suddenly, there in the bathroom, I'm like, "Oh wow, this is Jack Nicholson!" Like, I just, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, uh, Kubrick couldn't help himself and couldn't stick to what right. he had done all the way up to that moment, which is everything super clean and shiny mm. and you know, like well lit and everything. And yeah. suddenly, he's just got like a horror movie angle, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." I, I mean, it was yeah. it was effective, but it wasn't. It just wasn't in line with all the rest. Sure, now, I guess I could see that. I don't know. The, I can't the story we haven't mentioned this and this is probably how they knew you know to audition for private joker or private cowboy that sort of thing it's based on a book called uh, the short timers mm. which is uh, written by a marine corps vet named gustav hasford mm. <clears throat> it's just like the movie you know it's very different sections even written differently um the book is actually three different parts the spirit of the bayonet which is boot camp and and they call it a semi-autobiographical novel and in the book uh, gomer Pyle does shoot uh the the drill sergeant and himself mm. so i don't know if that was actually part of the autobiography like if it was um yeah. if it actually happened or if it was kind of embellished events, i guess I'm events a, like that have happened i mean we've, yeah. we've seen that in the news right oh I mean, sure or is that something i'm, I'm no 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 people happened. break I'm i mean people sure break happened. all the time i don't know that they always have lime ammunition with them but you know somebody uh, the fort hood shooting shooting is a good example of somebody losing it um mm-hmm. stuff happens where you you know you break somebody which is what freaked me out i think that's what freaked me out and the thing is i relate yeah. to the joker character i think that'd be the guy i'd be i'd do the best i could yes. i'd try really hard i'd still be lanky and skinny but i'd get over the hill i'd do it i'd make it happen but i i would be and terrified for be the guy who helps the the guy who can't who's not able to do it right, right. You'd be the guy who kind of steps up and, and you know what right, also scared me about that was i also think i might have been hesitant with this with the with the uh soap in the sock but mm-hmm. with that much of a microcosm of peer pressure i probably would have hit him with the soap just like he did yeah like yeah. that but and i hate 20, that like uh modine yeah <laughs> right because it's like he probably could have just gone with like a couple wax and then said all right good right. we're, we're right. all set but uh he yeah, he let that it ultimately, yeah, yeah. That ultimately ends up being the most impactful thing in the whole film for me. Uh, that when when they first all start getting out of their beds, you realize they're going to attack him, and it's like, why? Oh no! You have all of these sinking bad feelings, mm-hmm. but as you as they keep going and going, you realize, wow, they are really like they are injured by his presence. His mm-hmm. presence is so bad on all of them 
that they're willing to literally kill him Mm -hmm. to make the injury stop. And then uh, you get D'Onofrio's reaction once they all go back to bed. And it's like, wow, yeah. how, did the, how does this even exist? This is the kind of, of filmmaking where it, like, every possible emotion is present. Yeah. And it's like, th- just, th- just that one scene can be extracted from the film, and it's truly great. Yeah, no, it is. And then there's this, there's this you get into this you know, philosophical argument with your own head, or at least I do, about who's really responsible for their pain the rest of the the of the platoon and who's really responsible for that is the drill sergeant if if you really want to look at it he's the one that's making them all do push-ups while he makes him eat a donut or suck his thumb mm-hmm. he's the one he's the one doing the cause and effect here because in regular society this doesn't happen you just have slow fat dumb guy who will sit and eat his thing but whatever you move on and do the other things but because you're in this little cage where all of those norms go out the door and now you're in a, a completely authoritarian system where this, everything the sergeant says goes, it's all his fault. But you don't think of it, it that way because you're in is, the structure a, of the system. It's so, yeah, that's, right. that's why yeah, this movie's not, good. It's, it's not his fault because the system is broken and that's the question. Well, I'm not even saying it's broken. broken. It may be necessary to train necessary. For, for people. And we're right. going to, I am actually looking forward to the feedback from mm-hmm. vets and others currently serving who listen to our show because we've none of us have ever been in boot camp we right. don't know what right. it's like we don't know how accurate this may be of the time or even now so you can fill uh, us in well, and give us fill us my dad i can my, speak to now right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, Brian. <laughs> my dad and my family uh almost everyone in my family were in the marines uh my dad's uh my dad totally the marines totally changed my dad so I, I was born on a military base. I grew up on a military base up until I was about five, and my dad was Marine, and I, he really did. He, he, he has told me many times how it changed him. He did not have the ability to really uh, cry or feel emotions like he did before he went into, uh, in, into the Marines. Uh, they, they do tear all that down. It's taken many years for him to uh, get back to what we consider normal in in. Uh, in regular society sure uh, because you do i mean you're talking about going into a situation that unless you're in a situation where you're killing people and people are trying to kill you i mean how do you prepare for that kind of what they did here did they do they go too far that's the question do they go too far uh do you save the whole do you save the one uh, it's, it's a tough question and i don't think they were looking to give answers i think he was just presenting those questions artistically and we're supposed to think about it and i think we did and that's good yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting i just all i'm saying is i'm, I'm glad i can finally appreciate the movies yes. uh what, what it's trying to do and not just be mm-hmm. a scared 17 year old it was it was uh right i mean it's funny it was such a shock uh that that's all people would talk about uh afterwards oh did you see full metal jacket holy crap what a shot he shoots himself and you know a 17 18 year old kid i hadn't seen stuff like that in movies before obviously no but now you you go back and uh uh and like you said you can see the movie for the whole big picture the the one other thing i want to say about that book it looks like the um the third part of the book uh is the sniper and the um uh the situation in uh uh, Kaysan, there's a middle part. And I'm wondering if this movie, if there wouldn't have felt like such a stark contrast between the first half and the second half, if 
they would have figured out a way to adapt the middle part of this book, which is um, Joker starting out as a war correspondent, getting into a, uh, a scuffle there and, and a few things there. That that almost might have been a good way to not make it feel like such a... Kubrick was definitely, he was trying to, I, I, I really feel like Kubrick could have elongated this movie to two and a half, three hours mm-hmm. and done mm-hmm. just what you're saying, because I felt like there were a lot of things that were missing. Uh, yeah. There were some suggestions during the uh, during those middle scenes that we were looking from a perspective of the media uh, because we were constantly being shown shots of helicopters coming in and out, but it wasn't like new troops. It was the actual uh, media uh, filming in different, you know, it wasn't always Stars and Stripes. It was other people uh, uh, filming sure. uh, for TV and movies. So there were, there were some things there that weren't quite addressed, and I think maybe Kubrick just... Maybe could have used a little more time. No, oh, maybe. You know. I mean, the movie was. I thought the movie was two and a half hours. Only an hour, or it's only two it's, hours. It's two an hour hours. Two hours. It's yeah. almost two hours. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know that I'd want it to go much longer than it was. But well, um, as a, as a movie viewer, <laughs> no. But as a is is trying to accurately portray a you know a long form story, I think it would it would probably have benefited from. Uh, also, as a, we got home at ten thirty last night. Right, yeah, right. A shorter movie would have been. <laughs> yeah but but that's the thing it i don't feel like the movie tells a bigger story because like it the story is over halfway through the film like you you then go on you can't i it's really really hard to tack a story onto a story is what i'm saying and so i just the whole second half i'm just watching along feeling like it's telling me things but not a story for example it's telling me about how because even a newspaper writer marine <laughs> like there's all these different there's a there's you know a builder marine and there's a, a you know a fire torch carrying marine and so on doctor marine yeah yeah because a newspaper writer marine has gone through boot camp he yeah. knows how to use a gun and so the second half reminds me that even when he's in his barracks at night and they start taking fire and there's an ambush coming that, that he knows how to run out and man a really scary weapon and, you know, and, and shoot people and kill people. Like, that's, that's a thing the movie tells me, but that's not a story. I'm, I'm past the story now, and it's like I'm, I'm, now I'm just being given strong feelings over and over. You know what I mean? Right, mm-hmm. slice of life. That's where it really fell mm-hmm. into for the second half for me. It was just like, mm-hmm. oh, what, the, what does it feel like to be here? Mm. What does it and, feel like and the, just today the, today? Yeah. And the futility of it. Like, all right, um, three guys died, a uh, couple more wounded because there was one person with a sniper rifle in a building in a battle that won't advance the war at all. You know, that person, right. there, there was no like, all right, we took that thing and now our troops can come in and take this whole area. No, it was just the futility of like, all right, we traded three guys for one of theirs and <laughs> really didn't didn't accomplish much in the process it's funny what i did to myself before this viewing and i don't know why this is all culminating at once but i've been watching mash again which is a commentary about the vietnam (laughs) war even though it's set in the korean war it was it was aired during the tail end of the vietnam war as commentary toward that war so that's the thing also ken burns's incredible the vietnam war which is the name of the the documentary series is now on uh, netflix he took 10 years making that it's amazing 
And um, we're going to sack it next week. Oh, gosh. Right. The, <laughs> whole, the whole thing. It's experience. so good. If you think so, you know, so, if you think you know what's going right. on in and around the Vietnam War in terms of its beginning, its middle, its end, you honestly right. have zero idea until you watch that documentary. There's so much other stuff I had no idea about leading up to it. Things that were happening during and before the Second World War that led ultimately to what happened there. Like, it's insane. But all of this together... And then topping it off with a viewing of Full Metal Jacket, I could not be more annoyed with the late '60s and '70s. It's just, it's like you bastards! Right. What an ugly time! Like what a nasty war! That was a shit. That was a shit show from well, top to, to bottom, and I hate it. You, you know, um, this this leads into an interesting conversation because Mash, like you said, was was set in Korea because during that time, there was a lot of bad feelings through the '70s about the Vietnam War, so oh, yeah. we weren't really able to create a true commentary because there were so many people so close to it they would just like just be like so pissed if you didn't get it exactly right and no one really wanted to see the truth during the 70s so during the 80s we started seeing some pretty good vietnam movies even though they were re they're they really romanticized mm. uh platoon was another great great mm -hmm. movie and i often get scenes confused from platoon yeah, and full metal jacket within months of like each other yeah, yeah yeah very very close like within a year mm -hmm. uh and you know there was i i think i still haven't we seen really... platoon i could never ring myself to do it i think oh, what happened so... oh really i think what happened oh, yeah, is i watched platoon. i watched full metal jacket and then i heard about platoon and i said i don't think i can do another one of these like i you couldn't do platoon. another vietnam movie you yeah. should watch platoon and platoon does the thing that i that i'm glad that uh, Kubrick didn't do with Full Metal Jacket is put a more recognizable, handsome star in the leading role. You've got right. uh, Charlie Sheen in Platoon, mm -hmm. yeah. and I, even at the time, I think, oh, Charlie Sheen, look, there's Charlie Sheen. All right, Charlie Sheen's shooting guys. You don't think, all right, wow, that's Private Joker shooting guys, or that's Private Joker has to make this tough decision. Yeah, You don't think, oh, it's Matthew Modine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of yeah. memory of it happening and being a huge thing and it winning Oscars and all of that, but I remember avoiding it because it just seemed like you're never going to, if you're going to be a World War II movie, at least you were going to give me some some validity to was, why you're having the conflict. Like they're Very romanticized War II. It's romanticized. And I'm, not saying, I'm not saying there isn't hell in that war as well, but what I'm saying yeah. is your reasons for having it uh, are of a purer intention than the reasons that we did anything in Vietnam. And so, right. so for me, it was like, okay, well, I can deal with your World War II movie. But I don't want to see your Vietnam one because it's such a nasty, shitty little piece of shit. And well, so, who wants to? Who wants to? Let's face it. Let, let's look at it. I mean, the story we're used to stories where uh, the good guys, aka America, in our in our view, wins. And Vietnam is not about that. It's about frustration and yeah. you know, really. I mean, we won't admit to loss, but uh, uh, not a win is a loss, right? No, you watched Maybe? that documentary. Know. If it's taught me anything, it's that yeah. stubbornly believing that you will win no matter what it costs yeah. costs us 60,000 lives like it's just mm -hmm. the yeah. dumbest yeah. thing we ever did it's it's yeah. it's incredible and it usually came down to like two or three presidents just making shitty mistakes right just like uh uh making decisions based on you know uh dignity or not dignity hubris and and yeah. uh yeah we can't like, oh, i don't want to be seen as a failure so another go ahead and send another ten thousand. yeah we always there. act like oh the asians with the saving face all the time and like no i think we're worse at it like we mm -hmm. sometimes you just gotta it's, admit your yeah. your mistake lick your wounds and walk away and and Which, they took forever to do we eventually had to do it in vietnam but it took us forever and it cost a lot of lives 
on all sides before we finally limped away. It's so dumb. Mm -hmm. So dumb. You know, a, a billion words have been written, uh, you know, post-gaming uh, Vietnam. And so we, we don't need to do that here. Sure do. This film, <laughs> this film goes, um, this film goes to great lengths to make the point that all war movies make, you know, which is this is bad. And it, it's really impressive in that regard. Like, I, you know, like I say, I watched China Beach every single episode, but, you know, it's on TV. And <laughs> at the time, I remember thinking, uh, you know, this, like, war is bad, and there's a lot of, of, of bad things being depicted here, but it's not that bad. And then you watch, like, Apocalypse Now, and you realize, oh, uh -huh. right, not only was war bad, but all the, a bunch of people involved are crazy people who do crazy things. Mm -hmm. And and this movie takes that as far as it can go. Like it, you you yeah. you find yourself in Denang and you meet Adam Baldwin and you're like I don't trust that guy a second. Like yeah. even a little bit. Turns and out turns out that was good. Movie. That was good not to trust him then it turns out. Turns out he's kind of a dick in real life, turns out. Actually but that you know was hard for me. The, the movie really the movie really gets it. Yeah, no, I totally agree, but also it was hard for me. I I'd forgotten he was in this first of all. Um, right. But it was hard for me, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but it was hard for me to look at him knowing the kind of thing he is today. He's just such an ass. And yeah. and so it's hard for me. Like, it's hard for me to watch. I'm still watching Firefly. I still love it. You know, Serenity is still the one movie I've seen 20 times more than Star Wars. Uh, but, you know, Jane was never, he got a little tainted because he's kind of yeah, a dick. Yeah, I thought... I thought someday I would go back and rewatch all of Chuck because I enjoyed that TV show. Mm -hmm. And then now that we found out Adam Baldwin is a huge bag of douche, I I have no <laughs> desire to ever watch that show again. Yeah. And that's that's really sad. Like I I I got through this watching of Full Metal Jacket because you know it's he's gosh he's like twenty, you know like I it just like I was able to kind of put it out of my mind that mm -hmm. his current bag of douchiness, but. Uh, again, my my point was the film really really does the job of of giving you all of the horrible feelings that you need to be uh, given in there in the field. Yeah, well, he's a he's a weenie, and I don't like him. He's a weenie. Um, That's it. I'm calling him a weenie. I'm taking I'm taking a strong stance. <laughs> this was only like four years after he did My Bodyguard, which is hilarious. I don't Ooh, know if you guys remember that. Have we done that here. We haven't done that here. I don't think. Have no, we? but we need to. Yeah, but we it should. Feels like, uh, Do we really? My bodyguard. Yeah, I think so. My yeah. bodyguard feels gonna, like one of those films. I'm going to watch that new Whitney Houston documentary before I make a decision on that. Okay, <laughs> we'll see how I feel. All about right, it. you let me know. My bodyguard. My bodyguard. Is the way, oh, my is, bodyguard. Oh, the one with the know? kid, and he's. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Just the other day, I made the bold statement that Kevin Costner has never made a film that I won't watch if it's on, and then. Yeah. A friend of mine immediately goes, really? Have you thought that through completely? Right. No, I, I'd hey, still do it even quick, with that. I don't mind my. I don't mind quick, the bodyguard. It's all right. Quick quick uh, straw poll. My, my bodyguard or 3 o'clock high? Go. Uh, 3 o'clock high. high. 3 o'clock high. 3 o'clock high, for yeah. sure. All right. Not just because it, it was wins, filmed just 100%. north of me. Not, not just because it was filmed uh, 30 miles north of me. That's not the reason. But no, because it's, it's, film. it's just great. <laughs> it's great. It's the epitome. And while we have my bodyguard, we need to add my tutor. When yeah. We're talking about my movies from the yes. 80s. Yes. Oh my gosh. My what about my girl? Dude. That's also it, but that's nineties. But <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, but my girl's like a. I don't know what. That's not the same. My God, that was such a depressing movie. We should totally watch that. For no, a second we it comes shouldn't. Around. Is the one where Macaulay Culkin gets eaten by bees? Is that the deal? Yes, he gets eaten by bees. That's exactly what happens. 
Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. No. Like uh, eaten by Dan Aykroyd. Doesn't yeah, he get eaten by Dan he, Aykroyd? Dan but Aykroyd he does have him. allergies to bees, and yes, he does die. And yes, I'm sorry, I spoiled a movie. No, from no you're fine. Ago. I think we're out of the timing on that. But yeah. look, it's just it's about a girl growing up. Uh, yeah, Macaulay not, Culkin's her, her weird, sickly friend. He gets attacked by bees and dies. Dan Aykroyd is like a funeral director. That's your movie. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, and no, your movie really is. Hey, what's the cool song? Let's make a movie around it. <laughs> Talking about my girl, my yeah, girl. Right. Speaking, can we, okay, let's talk about music. Okay. Oh, go ahead, do it, Randy, and then I'll. I, then just, I'll I don't music. remember the attack by bees and dies part. I remember the girl yeah. dying. No, the girl lives. She's fine. Like a, She's fine. She lived mm-hmm. on. She made my girl too. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Who dies in the first movie? Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. He he's allergic. To, he's allergic to bees. He got stung by a bee. Yeah, uh, the bees got him. I. I, I I don't ever want to talk about that movie again. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, let's talk about music. Sure, why not? Hold yeah, on. First, this is what this is Vietnam movie with music. This is what got Macaulay Culkin real quick. Bees, millions of bees. Bees, millions of bees. All right, go ahead, Emmett. Uh, is this the only Vietnam movie in the world, in history, in film history, that does not include a Creedence Clearwater Revival song? Right. Or yeah. um, got to be close. I, mean, I know. I know we get painted black, but no, give me shelter. Wow, what? And the, right, and yeah. I don't think it had Steve Miller band. No, and it didn't have. Yeah. Uh, didn't have. Uh, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bob, Dylan. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. I realize all of my yeah. all of yeah. my references are at the end of the war songs. Like they had that. All of those songs. They had that song. They had that Surfing bird. It's funny though. I mean, because that's what you think. It's like, all right, I'm a music supervisor for this. Uh, Mr. Kerbick, uh, what songs do you want? Uh, you want you want a credence clear? You want uh, fortunate son? Uh, you know, <laughs> we'll start with the Bernie. Bernie. Near, near, near. No, no, no. I'd like uh, Chapel of Love by the Dixie yeah, Cups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, like right. Willie Bully. Yeah, maybe in a weird I, way, he either didn't get the rights to the right stuff, or he was trying to be yeah. a little counter. I think he's trying to be counter. I think I I'm glad he was actually. because we had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had enough. So, we've already done it. Yeah. Also, this is right. the mid '80s when they're doing this, so this is. This is before the music industry collapses and starts making everything super expensive, right? Well, late eighties, so, eighty seven, but yeah. Yeah. But but like I say, like they had their choice. They could have pretty much anything except probably the Beatles at the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like this is this is these are conscious it's, decisions. It's odd. One of these songs. It's odd, I agree. I agree. And I think he did it on purpose and it sets it apart a little bit. Because everything else, this is the minute Brian, you went there, 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 in my head. Yeah. I hear, I hear, I hear helicopters. Right, you hear helicopters. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fields, so can we, napalm. Can we, can we talk stuff? about the helicopter scene? Sure. Because that's one of the most memorable things in the film. And again, I realized uh, I was watching it for the first time this viewing because mm-hmm. I never saw the second half of the movie before. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, oh my gosh, that helicopter scene was so mm-hmm. freaking terrifying. Mm-hmm. It just it's it's loud and you can't really like you can't fully understand what in the world is going back and forth between them yeah, and private, the fact private, that private gagger marines, over there he was like, yeah, like private gag. i thought that guy was gonna finally barf he never oh, did yeah yeah but you can't really like the thing that comes through is the hardest message which is these marines because of what they have gone through already to make them into marines they no longer have the moral structure to tell the gunner that he's wrong. In fact, right. they're just fine 
with with him like they're asking him reporter questions mm-hmm. rather than even making a statement about mm-hmm. what he's doing you know right. and th- right. that's just like shocking yeah and he's yeah. And meanwhile mowing down these you know uh, women out there working the rice fields and Mm-hmm. It's just get some, yeah, get some, get some. It's get like some. <laughs> it actually was really. I would like to have that in a video game. I, it's just a great little line. <laughs> An get homage. Some, get some. There probably is, dude. I'll bet there's a Call of Duty where they say that. Yeah, somebody somewhere. Horrible, horrible situation, but kind of catchy. Yeah. Also, I just want to say, after 20 years of playing StarCraft, I learned what this viewing that the phrase "in the rear with the gear." Yeah, in the rear with the gear. In fact, I've got it here. I prefer to be in the rear with the gear. I'll play it right now. In the rear with the gear. Now, what's funny with that line is he's referring to we're not in the front, we're in the back with cameras and recording equipment. Mm -hmm. I had always assumed from the StarCraft reference that in the rear with the gear meant you're. Uh, the tank with the heavy artillery you're 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 supporting the people who are on the front line right and so to me the meaning's a little skewed there like what he's saying is we're safe back here i like it back here because we don't we're not going to get in trouble we're not going to die back in the rear here with the gear and i always took it as more (laughs) i I took it as more aggressive in the in the game so i'm not gonna tell you i'm not gonna tell you what i thought that meant yeah Yeah. (laughs) right yeah uh, bottom line, though, this movie I has. I talk about Richard Gere and that thing that they oh with the gerbil, huh? yeah, the yeah, gerbil. yeah, in the rear with uh, Richard Gere. In in the rear with the with the gear. We could yeah. we could do a whole hour on the rhymes in this film, and some of them don't make sense, yes. and you don't want to think through them too much. Yeah. Are you saying that this movie does not accurately depict the temperature of Eskimo genitalia? Right. Yes, <laughs> yes I am. And again convenient rhymes there are a lot of them you could probably make a poetry book of convenient rhymes from this movie they don't all make sense no like when he goes uh you know you've always heard the old everyone does the i don't know what i've been told and they repeat it yeah. and then it's usually yeah. something like uh, that old bread had lots of mold or something like that nope yeah. it's uh eskimo is mighty cold like yeah they he he had a way of making sure you could do that. You'd have the nastiest rhyme possible. Like he is, right. he is a, I understand he had like real life experience with this, the, but my gosh, dude, he this is stuff. the Andrew yeah. Dice Clay of uh drill instructors, right? Yeah. This, uh, is, my, this yeah. is my rifle. This is my gun. <laughs> this is for shooting. This is for fun. <laughs> exactly. Those guys just walking through the barracks, oh. grabbing their junk. My, my 10 year old, chose that moment to walk in oh, perfect like, that's, the rule. that's the rule so right. my my yeah. favorite little tidbit uh from the trivia in all that is that uh of the many things ermy ad-libbed that made it into the final movie was uh you wouldn't even have the decency to give a man a reach around yeah, <laughs> yeah. and kubrick cut him and walked out onto the set and asked what in the world that meant <laughs> kubrick had no idea what that meant so Ermi explained Showed it to him, him and then oh. Kubrick loved it and said, let's do it again. Same exact words. Yeah. That is the best. Yeah, that's pretty good. But I also, you know, he won to know. Did he win the Best Supporting Actor Oscar? I think he did, didn't he? Didn't Ermi get that? I know he's nominated. I don't know if he Had won. He not. Oh, I don't know. He yeah, was, he should. He definitely should. He was absolutely nominated. Right that I remember, but I don't remember if he won. He may not have. But uh, what a defining role. But right. also, but also, he, he what else you gonna do? All look he, at, but he can't yeah. do it again. Or what else? What else? He can't be a kindly old grandpa in, in a feel-good movie. Like this doesn't I, and work. And I just want to, I just want to say, uh, regardless, this is the perfect example of why 
the concept of supporting acting is bullshit. Mm. He is the star of the yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Period. Uh, nominated not- for uh, best supporting actor for Golden Globes. No, no, no Oscar nomination. Oscar? And no, and no, or- and no, uh, and no. Well, no wins there. He was. Uh, he won best supporting actor for the Boston Society of Film Critics Awards. Okay. We should have won. <laughs> no, been a tremendous no year. Did- yeah. No one did a better uh, drill sergeant up until uh, Major Payne. Otherwise, yeah, but even ma- but even <laughs> Major Payne, Major Payne is a comedic nod it's to this guy. On, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. right. Like he is the he uh, is so the one point in time where he said, "What is a drill sergeant like?" In 1987, we found out, and it stayed, and it never left. Like that's the guy. That's it. One of his other uh, one of his other uh, award or nominees nominations was 2004 for the uh, best supporting actor for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Oh, right. I forgot well, he was the cop in that. Uh, I even, think yeah. we need to see that one. Yeah. I've seen, I actually this, like that one. I'll send you the Blu-ray. <laughs> even <laughs> even in, inside this film, there is a promotion of that performance. When later our, our plucky heroes leave Da Nang and head toward Kwai, one of the first things they come across is a mass grave. And... There is a random encounter. You're, you know, it's like Final Fantasy or something. There's a random encounter with an officer who barks at Matthew Modine and does not even reach a tenth of the level that uh, Ermi does early in the film. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, it's a, it's a fine little depiction. It's got some horrible mistakes, mm. like the officer saluting a, an enlisted man in the field is yeah. all nonsense. That would never happen. Right. But uh, there, But you realize that there's not just one you know mad barking officer in all the world there are lots of them and these guys are going to encounter them throughout their career in the marine it's just this guy isn't that good he's not on that level you know mm, a guy out in the field by the way is uh in my mind famous for uh an episode of faulty towers where he played mm. an american tourist or an american who's married to a english woman and they're usually live in California, but they're visiting Torquay and going to that hotel, and they, they can't make a Waldorf salad for him because oh, because they don't the know Waldorf what it is. Salad guy, so right. he's the yes. angry angry. He keeps saying he's gonna bust some ass. Celery, apples, yes, walnuts, walnuts. grapes. <laughs> exactly. It's that actor who is just. Yes. It's all I could think about when he was on screen. I forgot that that was the guy. Wow. Yeah, which would have been not that uh, well. That'd have been ten years previous, probably. I guess so, about a yeah. decade on. But anyway, interesting actor. That would have been that would have been something that Kubrick looked at when he was casting him. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Snowball, by the way, uh, played by oh. Peter Edmund here, was almost played by uh, uh, Denzel Washington, who really wanted the role. He didn't get it. Uh, but Denzel, no one can out yell Snowball. I mean, come on, man, that guy. Oh, he was horse when he started. Wait, right snowball away. Or eight ball. Eight ball. Snowball. Eight ball. Oh, eight ball. Okay, I thought eight you ball, snowball. not snowball. Eight ball. The guy from okay. uh, the, oh. the one, the the dude. Uh, sorry, I said snowball. That's my fault. Uh, eight ball. The one who was um, uh, later the, in the field. The one that the, his, yeah. his thing was too p- p- poco or whatever they, they were talking about his wiener <laughs> being too big. <laughs> buku. Buku. Too buku. Too buku. He he's he's fine. 
Um, he kind of creeps me out. <laughs> apparently <actually>. so. <laughs> yeah, he kind of gives he's me the creeps. Fairly, he apparently is just fine. But he's, he's, just he's like fine. He's he's not getting shot out there in the field. <laughs> I, uh, he's fine. It's, it's time for a Blizzard reference, friends. Eight Ball was played by Dorian Harewood, who has been in other films like Space Jam and Sudden Death, which we've seen on FilmSack. However, yeah. Yeah. he was the voice of the Barbarian in Diablo oh, 3. He's no. a fine yes. voice actor. Diablo 3 Barbarian? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm in love with the guy again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He does tons of voice work now. looks like almost all he does is like yeah. a bunch of that. Oh, look yeah. at that. He's got a great male. voice, so good on He does have a great voice. That's so cool. Okay, but uh, the one piece of... Okay, there is a piece of trivia that I'm absolutely going to say is a lie. And if anyone wants to disprove me on this, I dare you. There's no way this is true. Arnold Schwarzenegger turned down the role of animal mother in order to star in The Running Man. Right. Bullshit. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. No yeah, way I, he was that guy. He was going to be... I, uh, <laughs> Put really? your money where your mouth is. Yeah, you walk just... the walk and you talk well, the talk. There's also, no way. Kubrick, Kubrick is infamous for uh, not being willing to pay people what they're what they're worth. So, like he he specifically goes for actors who are lower on the pay scale. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's the reason why. Uh, oh, what's his name? There's all this trivia about uh, an actor who uh, was slated to play Joker, and and Kubrick wouldn't pay him what he wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, who was it, Scott? You read the trivia. Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, um, there's just no way. There's no way what, what Schwarzenegger was earning and the way Schwarzenegger worked that there was even a discussion. There's no way. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Well, plus, plus the accent. I mean, you, you, know, you want a bunch of fresh-faced American kids yeah. uh, in these roles, and I don't think... No, I don't think anyone would buy that. No. that <laughs> this guy who let this guy in. in. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't think who it's true. I think it's just in. fake. I think this is just a fake piece of trivia that somebody yeah. threw in there. And the fact that his Schwarzenegger should have been the obvious thing is it's always him in these fake mm -hmm. entries. But come on, right. there's no way they were like, all right, we got to pick. Was also considered for the role. Yeah, Anthony like, Michael on. Hall. Yeah. So Anthony Michael Hall, what had a contract to play Private Joker? Yeah, we talked about but, this earlier. Yeah, but but Kubrick wasn't willing to pay him what he wanted. Oh, that and was the like, it was the money if, thing for him. I didn't realize that. If, if you don't have Anthony Michael Hall money, you sure as hell don't have Arnold Schwarzenegger money. Yeah. But even you and I right now have Matthew Modine money. We got him covered. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got that in my back pocket. Come yeah. on, hold a second. Let me yeah. see the guy here. Matthew Modine oh, yeah. money he's, is uh, cheap. He's doing an appearance at the opening of a grocery store today here in right. this area. Yeah. Safeway. New Safeway <laughs> going up. Uh, all right. One other thing I wanted to make sure I didn't uh, forget to say. I don't think you need that many toilets. And there was not one time where you needed 50 toilets in a barracks at the same freaking time. Why do you have to have so many toilets? What is that about? It, it, I Yeah, it was according to what they're serving in the mess hall that day. You may need that. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, so they, uh, I, I, I actually want to argue with that because that, was a, you know, that, that wasn't constructed for this film. That was a barracks uh, head, right? Right. So why and did they do that? Why here's, the, here's the way it works. So, so you, you, uh, you, you're drilling all morning, right? And then, and then you dismiss these boys to go have lunch, and then they have a time frame to go take a dump, and then you're going to go back to class or whatever. And that time frame is very brief, and everyone has to go hit the head for the same ten minutes. Oh, like, the stank. That's yes, sure, yeah. And they're all sitting close to each other; they see each other like it's horrible. It's Scott Johnson's nightmare dump. It sounds awful. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. We haven't talked about the gross. We yeah. haven't talked about the gross, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that was it. I can't. I everything. Gross I mean, there's plenty of gross toilets. stuff in the movie for sure. Like it's just gross all around. But 
Yeah, give me put a little thin wall between those toilets. What are you doing? Have a big open toilet room? That sucks. That's bad design. That's like some kind of Nazi business. Don't do that. Have have your toilets in a little space. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> if I can get anything in this life, just one request. <laughs> no, but but you know it would be kind of funny. Like everybody all pooping at the same time. Like you know, twenty four guys all sitting there. Hold hold my hand. <laughs> Uh, they had to, right? Like that—that's the yeah. thing. Like every every unnatural act that happens in boot camp, right, is mm-hmm. is something that they have to do. Like mm-hmm. you, you're, you, what are you? Are you gonna poop your pants two hours later because you, you couldn't poop. do it? Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, we're picking favorite actors in this thing. I think mine probably goes to a guy not a lot of people know by name, and but you've certainly seen a million movies with him in it. But the guy that played Cowboy. Uh, is great in this. His name is uh, Arliss Howard. Arliss Howard, yeah. Is he, is he again to the other? There's two Howards. There's Kevin uh, Major Howard and Arliss Howard. I want to know if either of those are related. I don't think so. Are also are any of them related to the uh, no. to the Ron Howard or cousins or anything like that? Well, cousins maybe, but they're not direct, direct relations. Oh. It, I mean, he looks. Yeah. He's a kind of a Arliss is a balding older dude now and whatever. Oh, I also have a. Oh, I have a confession. Should There's I do no it Fred Howard connection here. I just want to say <laughs> right. before you before you confess, I just want to point out Arliss Howard is Deborah Winger's husband. Oh, very nice. Well, she's yeah, uh, she's lovely. A, That's good. They've been a couple for. A he's while. in all kinds of stuff like uh, like big big things. Like he was in that whole series of True Bud. He was in Moneyball. He was in Rubicon. Uh, Moneyball. The Time Traveler's Wife. Like he's he's worked. He's got work. Uh, he's done work. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, anyway, uh, here's my confession. Uh, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Here's my confession. Um, I'm not a big ASMR fan, or I don't really understand it. So, and people know this of me. I've tried. I've tried listening to your whispery people, and I don't get it. Okay, <laughs> right. I just don't understand. It doesn't do a thing for me. That's fine. Totally fine with it. Happy that people are into it. Whatever, but it's not for me. Here's what I do think is my ASMR. It's watching people with copious amounts of hair having it shaved. Oh. Something about really? that is addicting to me to watch huge amounts oh, of hair yeah. just come yeah. right off. You and must maybe, have loved that opening sequence. I love that opening sequence. Un- I did. Unlike and the it, people in the chairs who all looked, nobody looked excited except for Pyle. Pyle no one grinning. looked excited. Like free, free haircut. Yeah. All right, free yeah. haircut. Guys, can you imagine how horrible it must have been to be on set with Kubrick? The perfectionist of all perfectionists. As he was trying to do these one-take-ever shots of people getting their haircut. Oh, it must have been something I, else. I, yeah. I can't imagine how, how long that took and how much pressure there was on people to get the well, right shot. Specifically the ones where, like hair. Modine getting his haircut and the big characters getting their haircuts. Because there were definitely some extras in there that we never heard from again that were also getting right. their haircuts. And they probably they actually died during the haircuts. That's yeah. the reason why I didn't see them again. They call was, them B, it's B-roll. It was bad. He called it H-roll. I nicked his artery! <laughs> oh, go ahead. But watching them shave that off, and there's something about a good razor that can really just go right to the roots and immediately remove yeah. huge <laughs> amounts of hair. There's something about that. I love watching yeah. it. Industrial. Big old industrial clippers. Yeah. So um, of, wouldn't you sweep out the hair between shaves? No! Not in my beloved Marine Corps. No. Um, <laughs> Got no time for that. <laughs> One of those guys, by the way, uh, he may, makes a very brief appearance in the platoon later, is an actor named Michael Anthony Williams. He has to have our picture of the week in oh. IMDb. There has oh. never oh. been in this movie. There can't be somebody with a worse IMDb picture than Michael Anthony Williams. 
I highly recommend you go look it up and ask yourself once again, how did this happen? Where Michael how Anthony could William. a professional who was in 48 Hours and Rocky Five and so on, how is this guy's IMDb <laughs> picture so He's just getting horrible. Horrible. There he is right there. Okay. He's getting yeah, punched. Yeah, cool. yeah. She's getting punched oh. in the face. <laughs> that's great. That's oh, great. That's really funny. Yeah. He's uh, yeah, another thing since 09, so he's been out of the world. Oh, he's Rocky Five. By the way, I <laughs> uh, saw Ant-Man and, and Wasp uh, this last All week, right. obviously. It's unrelated to, to this, but um, kind of reminded me, this photo uh, reminded me. Uh, Creed 2 is coming out. Has anybody seen the trailer for that? Uh, not yet. Yes, no. I have. I haven't yet. And, and the reveal of who his opponent yeah. is, I uh. actually laughed in the theater. <laughs> uh, did you really? Wait, is it like Young Drago or something? Yes, <laughs> yes. Are you Drago. kidding me? Are you kidding me? You can't, you can't freaking. Oh, look, I was so mad. because I looked up the actor and I'm like, come on. Dolph Lundgren was such a, he looked like a freak. I mean, that's what sold his his yeah. character is like he looks like a freak. This other guy looks like a gym rat. I he understand like that, rat. but but if they, I'm gonna put some 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 trust in it because Coogler's awesome. That first movie's great. Sure. Uh, I was shocked how good that movie was. Like it shouldn't be a I movie about Apollo's kid. Oh, you should see Creed. Creed's great. I know it's streaming. I'm I'm watching it. Yeah, Creed's yeah. awesome. So the fact that they are, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. But that sounds super dumb. <sighs> It just, <laughs> I'm okay with the idea. I'm just not down with the casting. I, I gotta wait. Till the, I gotta wait. I gotta wait till the movie comes out to really appreciate it. I want him to be like all tatted up and looking like some Eastern European douchebag. Is that what he looks like? Yeah. No, it looks like just some average-looking, handsome gym rat. Yeah. Is what he looks yeah. like. I'm like, well, and, I, I need. So, I need a freak. A freak, and, please. Right. And Creed. Creed was made by Ryan Coogler, uh, you know, director of Black Panther. Yeah. And so I was excited initially when I heard about Creed 2 because I want to see more from him, but he's got nothing to do with it, and that makes me sad. Oh, look, you're I, want, right. I want to tell you something. I also saw the latest trailer to Predator, the Predator, the remake of Predator. Yeah. And I just want to say, man, pick some ugly actors. And when I say ugly, I just mean unique looking. I am I, I don't I don't like these. I'm I'm okay with a remake, but don't put a bunch of attractive normal looking people in my in my crazy you know space invasion movie i need something ugly to look at you know what i mean that's mm-hmm. oh by the way sorry not uh, this breaking news but i don't know if he's in the trailer but dolph lundgren's also in this movie yes yeah yes. for sure okay well I'm, of yeah. course i'm watching creed 2 you kidding me this sounds yeah. great yeah of course. <laughs> of course yeah we're gonna do this yeah, and by the way dolph lundgren don't look like he used to so no. I, I i'm gonna allow the change in the look and feel of people. I think he looks awesome now. He looks good. Old yeah. Dolph Lundgren we see, we is cool. We've seen him in Expendables. We, we watched him in Expendables, exactly. I think yeah. he's cool looking now, like a weird, chisely looking, yeah. strange old man now. I think he's awesome. It's like a replicant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you're an older guy and you're going to have this kind of like uh, cosmetic surgery on your face, you better to take a lot of steroids and do a lot of working out in the gym. Is he had a bunch of work? I can't tell. I don't think he's had any work done. I think that's you, just what. Yeah, you're okay. thinking of somebody just, else. I think his I think his face is failing. You know what? what? No, oh, okay. I've got a picture of him right here. I'm going to put it in our chat in uh, the Discord Frog Pants chat, and you're going to see. I think I think Randy's smoking crack. This is a normal face. That is not a plastic face. I don't see any. I don't see any plastic right. face. No, that's a normal guy. You're probably yeah. mixing him yeah, up with Mickey Rooney. That's just how Rooney. he looks. I think you're talking about Mickey Rooney or something. 
because he's plastic. oh my god, that, Mickey that Rooney face is up. all muscle. Yeah. Now, now, Mickey, yes, Mickey Rourke also in the. They're not Rooney Rourke. <laughs> Mickey Rourke. We said Mickey what? Rooney. Yeah, I meant Rourke. But he, you know, he has famously <laughs> done cosmetic surgery. I'm saying, when I look at Dolph Lundgren, I see the whole, you know, uh, the, I don't the, at all natural facelift stuff. I think you have lost your mind on this one. Here's another comparison. Here's when he's young. Here's where he is now. That's this is that's normal. this is great podcasting, folks. We're looking at pictures. I'll bet you. I'll bet you money. He's not had a thing done. I think he's just lucky with yeah. the old guy, uh, you know, Scandinavian looks, and he just looks like a mm-hmm. stud. He's just cool, right. man. I I am all in on anything mm-hmm. he's in now, even if it's dumb. I want to see it. Like we should do that kindergarten cop two thing. Just because he's oh yes, oh, kindergarten copier, yeah, <laughs> for many reasons. Yeah, just to see, just to yeah. See what's but as up. long as as long as there's cop and a half, I I can't I can't say we need to go first with that one because cop and a half. Come on, yeah, Burt Reynolds. I don't remember that. Was it good? Cop and a half. No, I do remember cop and a half. And he had like a little kid sidekick or something. Yeah, <laughs> you remember this? No. Oh, there's even cops. a there's even a there's even a, yeah two and a half cop or cop and a half. It's cop and a half. Really? I know it is, but I'm just, I'm just uh, like. <laughs> right. Hey, look, any movie that, that the Fonz directs starring Burt Reynolds? <laughs> is really? That's, I, a, that's a Fonzie directed I gotta, movie. I got to go with it. You okay. know what I'm saying? I had no idea I'm that existed. Saying. Henry Winkler directed Cop and a Half. Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. I'm just saying, don't waste your life. <laughs> you got to watch this movie. <laughs> All right. Put it on the list of what we want that coming up. Okay. Before we continue forward. We must look back, not back, forward also with our uh, friends at Casper.com. Casper is uh, sponsoring today's episode. That's right. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. And the benefits are clear, but I'll give you some anyway, okay? They make mattresses designed by humans for humans. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams and a quality sleep surface that is just the right sink, just the right bounce. It's a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulate your body temperature throughout the night, which is really important during these very hot summer months. And they're not just any mattress company. Casper offers Casper offers a wide range of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. And they're made right here in the USA. Getting into the Casper ecosystem is easy. You can just do it online. Deliverable straight to your door in a compact box. Free shipping and free returns in the US and Canada. And here's the best part. 100-day free Risk-free trial. That's right. A risk-free 100-day trial. Comes to your house. You try it for 100 days. If for any reason you don't like it, free shipping and returns anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. It's that simple. I got one. I loved it. And I kept it. I bet you will, too. Considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's very important to truly get the kind of sleep you need. And try the mattress before committing. Why Casper gives you those 100 nights to try it out. I love mine. You'll love yours. Get $50 toward your mattresses by visiting casper.com slash filmsack and use that promo code filmsack at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash filmsack and use the promo code filmsack at checkout. All right, we should do clips. I have some clips. Would you guys like to hear some clips? I would love to hear some clips. Yeah! (laughs) Well, I can provide them, and I will click them now, and you'll hear them. Here comes the first one. Uh, Now, these are a little mixed up. I have to admit to something. I screwed up, and my files got all out of order, uh, so I don't know what the chronological order should be on these. So it's a little mixed up. I tried to put them in the right place. 
Just know that going in. We may have some that feel a little weird, but anyway, we'll start with this. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. I love his grabastic. Grabastic. That's my favorite word. It's pretty good. Now, there's a lot of things he said that I simply cannot play on the show because we're, you know, generally PG 13 here, but uh, let's suffice it to say Lee Ermey knows how to pull out a nasty thought and make it sound rad. Uh, Here's him yelling. All right, there's that. Oh wow! <laughs> Here's uh, here he is. Uh, let's see, what's this? Ah! Oh, yeah, it was him trying oh. to do the war Tell face. Show me your war face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's a shorter one. Ah! <laughs> Show me your O face. Ah! <laughs> it's the same as your war face. It turns out they're the same. Uh, here's another one. You don't scare me. I like that. Uh, these are all very short. Let's see. How about this one? <laughs> it's such nonsense. When they do the like yeah. that stuff, I love that. Flip so, and flop. Yeah. Flip and flop. Here's clean the head. As soon as you finish your bunks, I want you two turns to clean the head. There you go. <laughs> First, you mess up the toilet, then you have to clean it up, turd. Yeah. Uh, what's this one? I want that head so sanitary and squared away that the Virgin Mary herself would be proud to go in there and take a dump. <laughs> yeah, the Virgin Mary taking a dump. That's what you want. Uh, let's see. What's this one? A jelly donut. Oh, yeah. That's when things start going real bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a jelly donut. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it always... <laughs> Him, eat, yeah. him eating that jelly donut was just amazing that he could actually go through with eat because they told him to eat it and it's like mm-hmm. and he ate it so very military and efficiently it was mm-hmm. yeah, yeah wow. I would scarf that thing down because I'm assuming as soon as I'm done with that jelly donut they're done oh. with their push-ups mm-hmm. yeah they're done with their push-ups and then they're beating me with a towel and a and a, and a bar of soap <laughs> yeah what's gonna happen there's a name for that bar of soap thing it's called yes yeah, uh soap mace or something like that something like that mm. uh, I forgot. There's a term for it. I guess it's a thing that soldiers have done. That was based on real hazing stuff. Yeah. Sounds really painful. But also, something about how it doesn't leave bruises or something. There's a a Wikipedia article called Blanket Party. (laughs) A a blanket party is a form of corporal punishment or hazing. And that's what that was? It was a blanket party? Because they strap him down, they hold the blanket down so he can't Starring move. Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello. Oh, fantastic. Oh, the 50s surfer movies. They're the best. All right, here's odd narration. I did not like this. Graduation is only a few days away, and the recruits of Platoon 3092 are salty. They are ready to eat their own guts and ask for seconds. It's just so, like, yeah, out of place because we hadn't done it. Until then, well, it's like it's a like, junior. Oh, no, we're this. It's like a junior high kid though reading his school paper. Yeah, just uh, well, that was the last time he had written anything, right? Well, high school. No, yeah, yeah no. but but they chose him to be the army narrator, the war correspondent. Like it, you know, yeah, yeah, means you weren't going to get he, killed, basically. Or he wasn't you good. Know he's a he's a writer. He's not a reader. Yeah, <laughs> right. You got to be effing kidding me. You know what? This is you make a good point. This is like Stephen King when he narrated the third uh, Dark Tower book. It's terrible. Yeah. It's horrendous. Yeah. yeah. So then Roland walked into town, or however he talks. <laughs> so bad. Really and bad. this this town also in Maine. Uh, <laughs> it's near Castle Rock. You may have heard of that one before. Yeah. 
Here's a. Uh, I used to. Oh, I wrote. I used to fear this. So I'll play it here. Up in the morning to the rising sun. Up in the morning to the rising sun. Gonna run all day till the running's done. Gonna run all day till the running's done. The idea of running and and rhyming and singing gives. I just. Oh my gosh. And like I, four in the morning. I'm willing to bet that they brought in like a. Consultants choir or something right. for those parts because yeah, those don't so. sound like people who are in the process of running. Mm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean they were all there, but you're probably right. They probably overdubbed it or something. Right. I'm thinking they're overdubbed it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean these are actors. Come on, these are not actual servicemen. <laughs> uh, here's a chance for you to say the name of your movie. Full metal jacket. There you go. That's the film. Uh, jacket. I'm going to be in Jurassic World one day, he'll say. <laughs> I'm going to pin with my baby face. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for Men in Black. Yeah. I'm going to be oh, a yeah, Men yeah. in Black. He was oh, the, I forgot about that. He was, the bug, he was the bug guy, right? Had the bug in him? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. He was he, amazing. Everything he does is good for me. No, listen. Di, di, uh, DiCaprio. D'Onofrio is a national acting treasure. I think he's fantastic yeah. and should continue to work as yeah. long as he wants. Uh, here's the hooker lady. Okay, so we're gonna do here's some of that. Just a little bit of some of that. All yeah. right, here you go. You got girlfriend Vietnam? Not just this minute. Yeah. Well, baby, me so horny. Me so horny. Okay. <laughs> me love you a long time. Oh, really? If you haven't heard the song. Oh, well, here's that part. Me love you long time. Yeah, yeah. And then you got uh, yeah. two live crew. We talked about them earlier, but they took that yeah. and ran with it, didn't they? They didn't. They were it. like, yeah, mm -hmm. this is our they next did. next big hit, everybody. Let's get her in there. We're just going to use these two clips from this movie, and uh, we've got a hit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nailed it. Here's this guy. Smoky, smoky, smoke cigarette in a she. Give you everything you want. <laughs> that guy's great. <laughs> okay, so there were some moments where we were kind of offensive in this movie. Uh, oh, yeah. Episode. Yeah. Oh, so, many, hey, many moments. What you going to do? Yeah. They were they were there were moments where Lee Ermey was making me turn a little red, oh. and then this this stuff with the uh, the the prostitutes was uh, yeah. yeah a little rough. So I what mean, was the reflection of the seventies and late sixties, and what was a reflection of what was okay during the late? 80s? I think it's a reflection of what's okay in war time. In war, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't think it has anything to do with the decade. I think you you put yourself in a place where you're you're just doing you're doing things you just wouldn't do anywhere it just, else. It's exactly it just uh from what i can imagine it just doesn't feel like real life so it's like uh mm -hmm. a hold is put on our typical mores and standards and we just say okay yeah prostitution sure let's just do that <laughs> sure 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 uh vietnamese uh, uh prostitute <laughs> with uh with armpit hair okay <laughs> i'm down with that Vietnamese. Yeah, Vietnamese. 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 You said Vietnamese. Yeah. Viet Vietnamese. <laughs> I, for some reason, this reminded me of David Sedaris. I went and saw him uh, speak live. You know, he does a speaking tour thing yeah. every couple of years. Yeah. And I went and saw David Sedaris about six months ago. And he's a funny guy. And he's just talking about, you know, he's old. He's old now. He's talking about what it was like to grow up in the South. He grew up in Raleigh in the 60s. And uh, he just, off the cuff, he just re reminisces about being in a restaurant. And he remembers the restaurant he was in and where he was sitting and so forth. When the news came over the radio that Martin Luther King had been shot and killed, 
and someone who ran the restaurant walked out into the room and announced to everybody who was eating there that MLK had been killed and all the people eating there uh, cheered and clapped. Mm -hmm. And it was like the crowd hearing this story from him, uh, like we all just like gasped at, at that, you know, like that was, that was hard to hear in 2018. And this film, for some reason, like it just, it just kept hitting me like that. Like, wow, I, I know they're trying to depict accuracy, what it was, what people actually spoke like in the 60s, but it's hard. I, I'm having a hard time taking it in and mm. accepting it. Well, you know, people clap it. I don't want to drop any names, but they go to rallies and places like, oh, I don't know, Montana <laughs> and clap at all kinds of horrific <laughs> shit. So yeah. you killed Ibbett. Yeah, you did. Depends, you on, killing where, me smalls. depends on where you go. All right, here's Just Jane. Said. Here's Jane from Firefly. You talk the talk. Do you walk the walk? Oh, 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 oh! Did it feel for a minute like they were having a um, a John Wayne rap battle? Like, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Right? Yeah. Like, like they were both quoting films because it was, like it was just weird. Baldwin's delivery just seemed so, uh, <laughs> like he was trying to impersonate somebody when he was responding. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. It yeah. felt dumb. It was like step it up. Vietnam style. <laughs> step it up or step up. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna throw. What it, it's like a dance. What do they call that? The South Park did yeah. a great thing on that where yeah. it was. Can, so you know, what's like? What was it? Uh, get up or uh, what's the name yeah, of those step movies? Out, step up or uh, step yeah, up. Step up is right. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Step up. Yeah, and you'd have step dance it, battles. Step it up. Step up. Freaking dance battles. Somebody'd show up with a boom box or a guy who could do beatboxing. <laughs> uh, not just anybody. Now, are you talking about all the mini sequels? Or are you talking about the first one? Because the first one had real actors, right? Let me guess. You have this all in some sort of DVD library at home. Heck <laughs> no. I don't, I don't have these, but I have seen the Channing Tatum first uh, uh, of these. I haven't, you know, it's not like one of my favorites or something, but yeah, Step Up is a fr- movie franchise. Well, what's the that, one? Uh, what's the franchise where it's a bunch of cheerleaders? Because that's a different one. Oh, oh, that's that's is that Step Off. What is that? Uh, what is it? Uh, bring it on. Bring, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah. 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 And it's the same deal. They walk up and go, Oh, you think you can do this right. cheer like we can? Rah, rah, re, rah, rah, rah. And they're like, Oh, I right. can do that one better. Pitch perfect. Yeah. I hate yeah. that. Oh, stuff. Don't, don't, don't be. Don't make something fish purpose. I, <laughs> okay. I actually, I actually do have those. So back up, Ibbitt. dude. Shut up. No, you have pitch okay. perfect. Okay. Well, you have- just just digitally. I don't. I don't own them. You know, on a, in a you know digital format. You know, in case you know the apocalypse happens. I you know I'm not that concerned about it. But I do have it on digital. Just tell me you didn't spend actual U.S. dollars on pitch perfect movies. Just tell me. Absolutely. That. But on sale because <laughs> you know I don't pay pay full price for nothing. Right. No, that's true. Yeah, it's just the demo. Scott, I think um, it was like yeah, two ninety nine. What if the pitch perfect movies are really good, Scott? They're How not. will you ever like know? Oh, I watched them. They're not. I don't like them. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say them. I watched the first one, and that was enough for me. But All right. my daughter really likes it, and I respect her. Do you like Workaholics? Do you like uh, that show? I don't think I've seen it. What? Did yeah. you see their... Uh... Come on, you don't watch like Durs and all those guys? Who Come hell, on, you don't watch Adam Durs? Devine? Who's Durs? Who's Durs? Uh, Ad- uh, Anders Holm. Yeah. Uh, the the Ander- Anders Holm, Blake Anderson, and Adam Devine, they had a kind of like a little comedy troupe, and they did uh, Workaholics for Comedy Central. And uh, I enjoy their work. And there's actually a Netflix movie that is dumb as dirt, but is is a fun watch. 
we probably should. Is it called Joe Dirt? Uh, maybe, we should, maybe we should sack that one day. What's it called? Workaholics also? Uh, no, 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 no. It's a, uh, oh, what is the name of the movie? Uh, hold on a second. Let me take a look. Well, talk while I look. I can't remember the name of it, but I did watch it a couple of months ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see here. We're just, uh, we'll just let Adam you Divine. look. Yeah. The reason not... why it made me think about it is Adam Devine does, uh, is, is, does great and pitch perfect. Game Over Man is the name of the uh, Netflix movie. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Game over man. Game over man. Game over. Kind of like game over man. man. Game over. Just game like over. That. Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. It's a tribute to um, Bill Paxton. That's Bill great. Paxton's yes. uh, aliens quote. Yes. I love it. There you go. I love and it. And speaking of uh, pitch perfect, it is I just, bad. I, I yeah. just want to admit, for many years, I've been following Anna Kendrick on Twitter. Mm. She mm-hmm. is a national treasure. <laughs> and she is starring in a new film called A Simple Favor coming out in a few weeks, and I can't wait to see it. She did that thing with uh, Aubrey Plaza where they were kind of uh, yes. slutty. What One, was that? My yeah, wedding yeah. dates. Uh, I did not like that movie. Some Joe really? and Mike need wedding dates or something like that. Yeah, Mike I feel like Dave. it was trying to. I don't know how it. we. I don't know how we got here, but I there, there's also a Hulu original with Aubrey Plaza. It's uh, Ingrid Goes West. Oh, I heard that's guys. good. I've heard that's good. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. She uh, plays, get this, a uh, kind of a awkward uh, Instagram stalker. So she she does really good at that. I awkward. love her in uh, that thing, so, uh, the Marvel Parks deal. And Rec? No, the Marvel thing. Shadow she's, King. Uh, yeah, well, oh, Legion. Yeah, yeah. Legion. She's Legion's amazing. Great. She's, she's great amazing in that. Oh, my gosh. She's good in that. Uh, anyway, no, I, okay. it's not her. She's not the problem. I'm just saying that movie sucked. That was a poo movie with Anna oh. Kendrick and her. Okay. What? Okay. Oh, you're just saying. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've, been, I've been watching the World Cup, so for me, Aubrey Plaza is trying to sell me a, a cell phone. Oh, oh, that's that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, it's, really? Yeah. Is it one of those every, cell phones that she doesn't use herself? Every every commercial break, Aubrey Plaza tries to sell you a cell phone. <laughs> you're yeah. watching She's the World Cup. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I didn't. I haven't seen that. I must not have seen that commercial at all. Here's huh. what those people do: they come out and they go, "You need to try the HTC One B," and then they leave and they grab their iPhone out of their pocket and use it. Like they're done, they don't use the phones <laughs> anymore. Here's uh, here's the uh, something about a weenie. Where's the weenie? I don't remember what that was about. What was that about? Say, do it again. Do it again. Where's the weenie? Where's the weenie? Where's the, the weenie? Um, he's talking oh. about the news Article. story. Needs to have a uh, needs to have a weenie. Needs to have a something the, to eat. a death. Something <laughs> yeah. Needs to have like uh, a positive spin or like you know the yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't understand why have, it's a weenie. I don't either. Well, it didn't have to have a positive spin. Had at least we have a a, a win. Like I think we had to have a win in it. Where right. either uh, so weenie. Okay. Uh, Weenie, maybe I don't know. So well, you know, because uh, Stars and Stripes. At the end of the day, I mean, like it or not, Stars and Stripes is kind of state propaganda when it comes to wars. Like they're not there to give mm-hmm. you the actual what's happening. Right. They're there to say, and the Americans have broken through the Tet Offensive, and you know they're supposed to make it seem like we're winning all the time. And I guess that's what he was asking for. But why they call it the Weenie, I don't know. I don't know. I like Randy's gotta, idea. He was looking for the Weenie out. There. He was looking for something to eat. Yeah. No. Seriously, that's that's. It might be, yes. It's this, very is a metaphor. Yeah. this is a metaphor about I, I want something tasty but in, this was, in my news. At the end of the baseball game, you what? get the weenie. Where's the weenie? <laughs> when this Vietnam shouldn't have been spam? Or when, when was that big? What war was that? Spam, spam has never left big, us. Right? It's always been big. I don't know. Didn't, when, didn't, didn't we just see something where somebody made... Oh, I was watching MASH. They made a, they made a stuffed lamb because someone... Uh, radar uh, helped the live lamb escape and the Greeks were going to make a special oh, dinner yeah. for saving their soldiers. So uh, they made a spam lamb, 
and he was just the most disgusting <laughs> thing you've ever seen. And Henry Blake whoa, ate a lot of it. This spam lamb. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's uh, uh, this is the guy who's on Faulty Towers. I just captured his stuff. There you go. Green, what is that button on your body armor? A peace symbol, sir. Where'd you get it? I don't remember, sir. What is that you've got written on your helmet? Born to kill, sir. You write born to kill on your helmet and you wear a peace button. What's that supposed to be? Some kind of sick joke? You know how to make a Baldor salad? Okay. <laughs> okay, now I get it. Now I get it. He's trying to do an American accent, and this is the best he can do. He's, I get it. Now. He's an American guy, though. I think. No way. There's no way. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. Yeah, at least in Faulty Towers, he was he American accent. Yeah, too. but I think he's. Like, when are you trying to pull him, Faulty? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a American guy. He just has a weird cadence to him. I'm not sure, but. We could look him up. Uh, how about this one? It, now that I'm hearing him, I think it was a different guy with the Waldorf salad, wasn't it? Nope, totally him. He's just the guy who's like, what are you trying to pull, Faulty? Uh, this isn't working, and that's not working. Oh, he was that, too. It was the entire episode was about him and his wife, and and part of the sub-story was that Basil could not make a Waldorf salad, and okay. and he pretended like the chef was still there, even though he was gone. Oh, right, he's right, in the back right. yelling. Okay. Yep. It's a great episode of that show whatever yes. that entire series is the greatest thing in the history of ever uh here's a oh. guy let's see what's this oh here's the thing you better get your head and your ass wired together or i will take a giant shit on you there you go that's the thing to say i mean you could swap those lines out for the faulty tower episode and it would still work it's fantastic <laughs> yeah i found a youtube of them <laughs> this scared me by the way this happened and it scared me right in the middle of the movie because it was real quiet and then this happened i went everybody's head about the bird <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere dude yeah <laughs> it, it was yeah it scared me because i had headphones on and it was up kind of loud and they just finished blowing up that building and then all this silence and then i think Cowboy starts smiling and then bird, bird, bird. I went everybody's head. He's like, dude, okay, Kubrick, turn it down, dude. <laughs> All right. My least favorite effect uh, least favorite effect in the film was this. That's I hated that. That's when uh guys are getting shot by the sniper and it's slow motion. It's when Cowboy got hit, yeah. It's yeah. stupid. Stupid. We got a sound it. that lasts as long as the slow mo. And they what go, should we do? Oh. Echo. Yeah, it was so gimmicky for the for a movie that doesn't rely on gimmicks. Like, yeah, it's just yeah. felt out of place. I don't know why he put that in there. For a perfectionist, he didn't get that perfect. He should watch Pitch Perfect. Uh, let's see. <laughs> What's something about a booby trap? Booby trap. Oh, I just like I just like the term booby trap. Booby trap. It's fun to hear. I like cowboy. Booby, booby trap. trap. Booby trap. Don't go in there. Admit booby trap. Admit it. You would have picked up the bunny too, wouldn't you? Right? Yeah, I would have. Yeah, oh, we all would have totally. picked up the bunny. Yeah, it was a good booby trap. Look at that bunny. I, oh. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw the bunny, I wanted to pick it up. Like, I felt <laughs> this urge to pick up the bunny. Yeah. And then there's a Nicolas Cage in the background telling you, put the bunny down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here's a weird scream. There's that. Show me your war scream. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. And this is the, uh, so this seems unrelated, but I pulled a line from the greatest Batman quote of all time, and I'm using it here just for no reason. Total non sequitur. This is the best bat line, uh, Batman line ever spoken. Here you go. Joker, shut the f*** up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that every time I would hear him say, call him Joker, I'm like, I can't, I can't disconnect that from. <laughs> right. Batman Joker. I just love the so idea of Batman. Jacket had 
had private Joker. Platoon had private Green Goblin. Oh, oh my gosh. What? DC and Marvel getting represented. <laughs> well, that's the end of your clips, everybody. And that leads us to this. Time for the film sack checklist. Uh, first thing you do is mouth to mouth check. Okay, that really bugged me, by the way. <laughs> Dude, somebody Every would get time. hit by a grenade or a bullet, yeah. and the medic would run up and just start blowing in his mouth. Nothing else. Wouldn't stench bleeding. Wouldn't do any other things. Just immediately mouth to mouth. He's a shitty medic. I'm just putting it. Out I'm there. not sure. I, I'm not. I no. I do take first aid every year. It's uh, part of uh, where I work at, and that is not how you would do it now. But I don't. I'm not sure what uh, first response was. In, well, it should Vietnam. be. There's a bullet hole. Stop it from bleeding. I. That makes sense now, but I don't know. I don't know. I'll bet you money. We'll hear from somebody. All, There's all no I know way is this I, is accurate. I really, I really can't stand watching any CPR being done in a movie or TV show because they can't do the full chest compressions because you kill somebody. But uh, <laughs> they, they, they do that half-hearted little. I just really not even see it. Just, yeah. just close in close onto the to the person commi- you know doing the CPR and then close into the actor. Don't show me a wide shot of them doing the CPR. It doesn't well, work. And I feel like if you if you've been shot, if you've got a bullet in you, probably the it's probably not a good idea to squish yeah. their chest up and down and move that no. right, right. The Plus if the guy not, if they're not bre- if they're not breathing and their heart's not pumping, yeah. But if 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 they are alive and you're just you're just pushing blood out of the yeah, hole, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are two the two cases that I'm referring to where they got the close up with him doing that. These yeah. guys were still breathing and grunting and making yeah. sounds. They weren't having trouble breathing. You don't go right to the face and go. <sighs> I can already breathe. It's a bullet hole in my gut. That, that's the problem. It's like, oh, I can feel, I can feel the air blowing out uh, I've been my waiting. arm as I. <laughs> I've, I've been, I've been waiting for this moment since we started. Yeah. Oh, by the way, finally, the idea finally of, a chance for me to peppercorn you. The way the <laughs> peppercorn is that a thing? Is that a phrase? Yeah. Uh, you didn't watch uh, the Sandlot. No, yeah, a bunch of times. Yeah, isn't, that, isn't that her name, Peppercorn? Oh, and she, that's uh, getting he, it's Peppercorn, the yeah. the 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 lifeguard girl. Be, yeah, he right. pretends to be uh, out so he can get some free uh, kisses. Yeah, via CPR. You're yeah. right. You're right. He's the right. bull. By the way, that kid's the bully on uh, Freaks and Geeks. Anyway, uh, too many toilets. Check. That's absolutely true. And finally, here here at Film Sack, we love you a long time. Check. Hey, uh, Star Trek Connections, we only have one. Andy Nelson, he was a dubbing mixer in this movie, and he uh, did the re-recording mixer job, whatever that is, on Star Trek Into Darkness. So still working in film these many yeah, years this, later. You know, this movie was made in England, and uh, Star Trek uh, made in California. Yeah, huh. that's true. It still surprises me that um, that Matthew Modine never did a Star Trek thing. or uh, Yes. Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin or uh, D'Onofrio. Yeah, he would have been Can good. Can you imagine? Arlie Ermey in Starfleet Academy. That'd be great. Oh, my God. That'd be great. <laughs> wow. That's a great idea. Sign me up. When I did, know. Did, <laughs> he's died, he died less than I a year ago, to, right? I refuse to watch the new Star Trek series because they want money for it. Yeah, when when did he I'm, die? I'm Hold on a second. This, this he, ridiculous. Yeah. he died, yeah, this year, uh, age 74 in April. So just this April, he passed away. Mm-hmm. Lee Ermey, that, uh, that that funny yeah. dude. He always seemed the same age to me. So He yeah, did, yeah. and he apparently liked comedy a lot more than drama, and so he did that whole mail call thing, that uh, yeah. that little 30-minute show where he'd take letters. and Oh, the History Channel thing that he did? History yeah. Channel thing, yeah. Yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff he did, 
he's just so well known for this. Like he was mm-hmm. in Seven, he was in Mississippi Burning. Like these are big movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on The Simpsons a couple of times. Did some voice work for uh, Toy Story One, Two, and Three. Hmm. He was the little Green Army Man guy in right. uh, in that. Oh right, yeah, yeah. He did all sorts of work. He was in Scrubs once. X Men, <laughs> X Men Last Stand. Who was he? He was in X-Men Scrubs Last once. Stand. Yeah, it says here he was Sergeant, whoever that is, huh. the voice of Sergeant. Oh, uh, oh, voice of Sergeant. X Men Last Stand. I mean, I'm, there's that whole scene where, um, uh, is it a dream where, sequence? No, they're like um, Mystique and a bunch of other X Men are in some sort of military mm. prison, mm. or she changes to get him out. Mm. Changes to get them out, and uh, I don't remember that. Like, I've kind of blocked that movie ah. a little bit. Yeah, probably. Oh, he's from Kansas. He's perfect. That guy's just made for what he ended up being in his life. Oh, totally. Totally. It's pretty great. Um, anyway, Star Trek grade, I'm going to give it a W for weird, and that's fine with me. It worked out fine. I like yeah, the, the... I don't mean the, the songs. Soundtrack, it would have been a different movie with like a bunch of scoring. Right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I like the quiet, weird, discordant tones. Like, that's sort of my gig anyway. I like that For stuff. Sure. And it didn't sound all electronic like 87 did everywhere else. Like, this movie holds up in that way. It doesn't look like something that was made that long ago. It looks like it may have come out just a couple of years ago. These actors weren't so recognizable and older now. You you could fool somebody into thinking this was just made recently. Except maybe for that gun effect. That was dumb. Mm-hmm. That seemed like the 70s. And he did some zooms and things I didn't like. But, again, product of his time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else here? Oh, Twitter post. This is where you guys sum it up in 280 characters or less. Let's start with Randy. Way shorter than that. Full metal jacket. So much screaming and fighting and body fluids. Just like a Saturday night at Epic Yeah! <laughs> ah, Zing! It. Boom! Perfect. Uh, Brian... You love you a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Dunaway. Before I do my Twitter post, I'd like to say is Wendy Peppercorn, not Peppercorn, so don't email me. All right, Full Metal Jacket. More like Full Metal Jackasses. Now choke yourself. Hashtag Jelly Donut. <laughs> you, wow. Now choke yourself. Move to my hand. That that was awkward. Right. I didn't I didn't follow any of that. Such an odd right thing. request. Also, I don't Wrong. think can, don't choke yourself. Move over forward so I could choke you. Can you also don't move my hand? Can you hollow of your hand punch a soldier in the army now and not no now. and not no. then either that was another bit bit in the apocrypha that even then a uh, drill instructor would never uh strike a recruit yeah that seemed like that was maybe against regulations mm-hmm. uh finally brian ibbett can't believe no references to mary jane rotten crotch mm. full metal no. jacket a movie that will make you want to meet interesting and stimulating people of an ancient culture and Offer them a jelly donut. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let you, he'll let you come to his house and meet his sister, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> what do you give me for trade? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a weird out of out of uh, out of nowhere line. Yep. I, I really want a jelly donut, and I want you guys to pay for it with push-ups. I just okay. that would satisfy me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do it. Oh, look at this. Alternate titles. I'm kind of proud of one of these. Anyway, here is what the movie was almost called. Full Buddy Hackett. Ah. Or, that's not the one I'm proud of. <laughs> or, or here's my favorite one, Full Film Sackett. <laughs> ah, that's pretty good. You're in an army, army, army. Army, 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 army. By the way, my favorite, 
my favorite derivative of of that has got to be the Phil Hartman uh, impression skit they did on Saturday Night Live yeah. uh, when they did the uh, the drill sergeant who were, was giving names but was not good at it. So he just like <laughs> like Hairhead. Yeah, how's your new name, Hairhead? That was <laughs> yeah, he was, was good. good. Oh right, yes. He's yeah. also he really come up with anything funny. Yeah, he's good yeah. in that Sergeant Bilko movie too as the general in that. Sergeant Bilko is a better movie than any of you think it is, by the way. And oh, I mean no, listeners I as well. That movie's awesome. Uh, John Bates wrote in to our email address at filmsack.gmail.com, and he says this, Hi, guys. I'm currently on my sixth trip through Filmsack's catalog. Wow. Uh, he says, oh, though I cow. skipped the Highlander episode, why you couldn't why? sack Highlander 2, the seconding, rather than the only good one is beyond me. Then he says, and I also skipped the Big Trouble in Little China episode because they are way too important to my youth. And it remains my most beloved podcast. So he doesn't want to be tainted on the show. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I would love to to have like a survey where listeners went through and named those episodes they skipped because they love the movie too much. I'll bet you it's a lot of movies. I'll but also yeah. bet you the ones you're skipping that we end up liking them. Like I, my memory is we liked yeah. Big Trouble in Little China a lot. We loved it. And also yeah. Highlander is is awesome. And we we don't just sack we stuff do we the hate. Sequel? Yeah. Because there can be only only one, right? Ah, yeah, that's true. So that means that somebody somewhere's favorite movie is Full Metal Jacket, and they think because we're sacking it, we're ripping it apart. We're not. We, this is a great movie. But, and, <laughs> and also, I I have spoken to people like I feel like I kind of lost the bulk of a friendship over uh, was it Adam's Family? Yeah, Adam's Family. I can never oh, remember yeah. whether it was Adam's Family or the Monsters. I'm sorry, they're too similar. Is- uh, that's much beloved like, mm-hmm. i have i you know i had i had words with friends after clue and after uh, uh lady hawk and it's like i don't think i don't think it's like we're like hurting anybody we're not we don't set out to hurt someone like personally or like to make you feel bad because you love a movie no never mm-hmm. yeah never uh, I, with maybe the possible exception i mean we created a real stink <laughs> around that Red Hot American Summer thing. Well, I, I don't summer, think. It, yeah. right? I don't think. I don't think it's necessarily something. A product. What we do is just a product of being human, and that's associating movies with your childhood and giving it value. And when somebody poo-poo's on that, is it's like insulting you. Yeah, so we, I don't. We hold, we hold movies dearly because we're all movie lovers. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a movie lover. We're movie lovers too, and it's okay. I don't hate Randy for not liking. Um, time bandits and i don't hate dunaway for liking terrible things that he likes Ah. we're not not liking minority report yeah exactly that was the biggest controversy ever on the show and and we're all friends so i kind of want to watch time bandits again now what i wonder if it was my frame of mind or something what was your first viewing and you said you just didn't get why this was important to anybody and i and i i fully admit the reason that that thing resonates with me probably is because it was such a big youth movie for me yeah 13 year old watching that uh, at that time, oh, it was it. phenomenal. It almost felt like something you shouldn't be watching. So therefore, it has a little bit of value of being there when you're growing up. Yeah, so it's that part and of your... Greece were, were movies that I yeah. made my dad take me to the theater multiple times yeah. to see. Yeah. Oh, wow, Greece. Oh my God, I'm worried about our son, honey. That is so. I know he keeps like, wanting to like watch Greece and Time like, Bandits. <laughs> like the third Weird. time for Greece. <laughs> one of and I'm one pretty of those sure movies... they say <laughs> one of those movies is a bit rapey. Which one? Yeah, yeah. Which one? Time Bandits isn't rapey. Well, it must be Grease. No. Oh, it must be Grease, yeah. Grease is, yeah, very much like that. And, oh, man, I mean, the 
I watched that thing on TV so many times, regular TV, and there's that one scene where he, where he talks about his car and he calls it a real, you know, oh yeah, P, P wagon, P wagon, right. like a P wagon, and you you can't you can't say that word on a podcast, and but it it, it but it's I mighty cold. It, yeah. Yeah. It just it just it just passes so so quickly and passes by in such an innocent way that you don't really think much about it. You no. just no. keep on cruising. Pretty rapey though. Uh yeah, all right. What well, sorry, he goes on to say uh this. He has a couple of notes for us. He says, first of all, Brian Dunaway is my film sack spirit animal, fellow South Carolinian. We both worked at Blockbuster, and like him, I enjoy movies yeah. mostly for the entertainment value, and I can be highly entertained even by a bad movie. Secondly, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, is currently on Amazon Prime, as is Sneakers. Uh, It says the former is a great cast and marvelously crappy movie, uh, and you know Sneakers, of course, which is not crappy. It's a great movie, but I would still do it. We did do Sneakers, yeah. Yeah, we snacked it. We snacked it. Did we snack it? (laughs) Did we do Sneakers? We snacked Sneakers. (laughs) I know I watched it, but I don't remember. We definitely definitely sacked Sneakers. Okay. I thought we did like way early on, though, right? That was like one of our... No, that was like a year ago or something. I'll tell you when it was. I have it right here. Hold on, sneakers. Yeah, because I remember uh, we didn't do sneakers. Uh, you guys are up in the night. Really? No sneakers. What? Maybe I'm getting that confused with hackers. Hackers with Sydney Poitier. Uh, no, you're thinking Poitier. of the right movie, Brian. With uh, 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 what's his name played mother? Um, yeah, uh, I, well, I'm going to yeah. take it back. I'm going to say that we do need a sack sneakers. Maybe we've talked about it because we did do hackers. Yeah, we've never done sneakers. And, uh, well, what's the, one, what's the one we watched? We watched it recently. Oh, maybe I did watch Sneakers recently for something else. Yeah, you, I, I did. did. It must have been for, what? Have been for a recommendation. Who have been watching movies with? No, Sneakers is wow. sneakers my, right other, my other movie podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what? Film, film Snack. Yeah. <laughs> you guys sounded so certain. I was just ready to take I, your word for it. But I we have feel not it. I feel it. I absolutely I, totally felt I thought I remember watching. I mean, I did watch Sneakers just recently. Yeah. And I could have sworn it was like we talked about it with you guys. Weird. No. Okay. It's a great movie. It comes up now and again because we like how they treated technology in that movie. They didn't give us a bunch of zoom and enhance bullshit for the time it came out. Was the love interest in that movie uh, uh, President uh, yeah, BSG President. Galactica? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. She's uh, what, she's not, what was she on Dances with Wolves? What was it? Dan, John yes. Dunbar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Any chance anyway has to say, that, I have to. <laughs> I know. I love it's it. It's kind of like it's yeah. like when you see when you see uh, when you see the uh, the oh, when you see Days of Thunder, you can't help but to say, "Let me add the car call." <laughs> I, you just you just have to. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. That's crazy. I wow. All right, Mandela effect. I could have sworn we watched it recently. Big before. time. I did too. Big time. I I kind of had a feeling too because I have seen it recently. But that movie's great. Anyway. Uh, he then goes on to say it would also be completely willing to buy and ship Streets of Fire if you guys want to sack that one. I don't know what Streets oh, of Fire is. Of yes. Fire. What, what is Streets that's of Fire? That's the movie that gave us... Uh, <laughs> make me feel crazy, make me feel so mean. Wait, I'm sorry, what's the movie again? Fire. Yeah, The Dark Side yeah, by... Uh, oh, I have no knowledge of this uh, movie. Yeah, total, total. So, wow. Me it. too. Eighty-four. Rick, yeah, Rick Moranis, William Defoe, Michael Perry, Diane Lane, uh, Richard really? Richard Dawson. Wow. Oh, it's not that. Okay, Richard I Dawson. remember Michael Perry, but I don't remember any of these other people. Bill Rick Paxton. Moranis is in Streets of Fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bill, Billy Fish. Bill Paxton's Billy Fish. in it. Who else? Robert Townsend. Dude, this is a star-filled 
I yeah, wow. Is. Okay. It looks like shit though. This passed right by my radar. So I didn't uh, think of the right movie, right? With that song, Rock and Roll. I, I don't know. It's a good question. I have no uh, idea. I've never heard of this movie. I'm just shocked that Micheletti Williamson and Ed Begley Jr. are in it. Oh my how gosh! Could, how could two people be more different from each other? Here's the trailer. Oh, the soundtrack. Different movie. Let me play the, the soundtrack. Trailer. Is... I'll be coming for her. Let's see. And I'll be coming for you too. Sure you will. Oh. And I'll be waiting. Dude, Willem Dafoe looks like he's 15. That's weird. Yeah, because he was. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Put it on the list. All right, I am thinking of a different. Well, hold on. What movie am I thinking of with that John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band? <laughs> I don't know. It was a song. Oh, wow. Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the Cruisers. Oh, was the Eddie and the Cruisers. Us, uh, yeah, no, I've seen that. Side. Okay. I've seen that. Yeah. Well, there you go. I can, I can Came out around them. the same time, and I swear I would have, I would have made them both the same movie. We solved the mystery. That's what we've yeah. done. I love it. Do we feel better about that? Yeah. This apparently must have some kind of bit of a cult following. So I w- I'd be interested in seeing this. Yeah. Movie. All right. Well, get get with me, uh, 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 John, and maybe we'll get a copy from you. His final point or his final comment was, "I mostly just wanted to say thanks for the lighthearted relief you guys bring each week." Well, thank you very much, John. Uh, we're happy to thank bring you. it. That's what we yeah. do. Speaking of bringing it, our next movie was shipped bring to us all. forever ago. Suburban Commando is finally getting sacked. Suburban Commando with your um, yeah, baby, hey, brother. I'm gonna tend your Doctor kids. Zone. Yep. <laughs> right. uh, let's Please, see. We got, right. Please make sure and let us know as soon as possible if Suburban Commando is your favorite film of all time. <laughs> yeah. Now Christopher here's... Lloyd's in this. We got a Hulk Hogan as lead actor. There's some uh, apparently there's some aliens involved in. Yeah. I mean, like outer space aliens. Yeah, I want. Not, I want to thank Shelley Duvall. I want to thank uh, uh, Jack Fox, who sent these to us forever ago. We are finally going to yeah. watch it. It's not streaming anywhere that I'm aware of, but it might be worth your buck ninety nine if you want to go rent it. Somebody we got in uh, film sack actually received the family double pack uh, package right. with uh, Suburban Commando and Mr. Nanny. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't sure which one we were supposed to watch. <laughs> that's been, that's been the holdup. Exactly. I'm watching both. Well, of course you are, but I'm not. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm not doing that unless we're commanded to. But Suburban <laughs> Commando is absolutely happening. Then we got Swordfish after that. Finally, Swordfish Finally. stays long enough for us to watch it. Um, and then beyond that, who knows? Lots of other cool things coming up. Uh, so check that out. I am going out. to do everything I can to watch and talk about Suburban Commando without nah. talking about Balea versus Gawker because, oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. That was a fun. Yeah. That was a fun yeah. po- point in our time. Uh, so we'll get to that. Suburban Commando next week. That's right here on Filmsack. Filmsack.com is our website. You can leave us voicemails uh, and emails and all that kind of stuff at the site, or you can email us filmsack at gmail.com. Or uh, you can do one better than that. You can follow us on Twitter at Filmsack. Leave us reviews wherever you get your podcasts. We still post every episode up to the blog now. So if you go to Filmsack.com, you can leave your comments, hang out in there, chat, whatever you want to do. Give us your direct feedback there or send us your emails. That'd be great. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. Sir, yes, sir. We'll see you next time. Huh? Huh? Mary huh? Jane Rotten Crotch. <laughs> <laughs>